Welcome to Panel Up, your monthly pop culture panel. I'm John Campbell. And I am Mike Gergoni. Oh, Gergoni, we're back again uh, for another month uh, of uh, current events in pop culture. We're steering away from the largest franchise in the known world and into the largest franchise in the known world. Because there's really only the two, depending on which nerds you talk to. Yeah, that's an interesting, actually, that's an interesting debate, is like whether or not, I do sort of feel like Marvel has supplanted Star Wars as the largest, at least in terms of movies. I feel like Marvel has always had a little bit of an edge, just in terms of like, you can go anywhere in the world, show somebody a picture of Spider-Man and they know what it is. Yeah, they've always had a little bit of that, but it does feel like the 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 thing about like, if it's a Star Wars movie, it's a guaranteed smash is uh, more so the case for Marvel these days, although we're talking about a weird subsection of that anyway, which, of course, Star Wars is all contained under one umbrella. Anyway, we'll get to what, we'll get to our main topic, but it's all Marvel all the time this month on, <laughs> on uh, Panel Up because uh, we've got Are you feeling Marvel- the burnout yet, John? Are you feeling it? No, it's... I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm ever going to really feel the burnout. Um, I know. It's tough, right? I think I think you, you, guys like you and I are are gonna are never gonna be like yeah, too much Marvel, because uh, even if even if there's not good stuff, it's still like yeah, but that next one might rule. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what I mean, like That's I just the thing, yeah, it's, it's, especially in the last like five years, the, the phase four, as it were, uh, it's always been this pendulum of just like. Oh, this thing killed Marvel. Oh, Marvel's back. Oh, this thing killed Marvel. Oh, Marvel's back. Yes, I get so tired <laughs> of the rhetoric around either this is the death of Marvel or is this the salvation of Marvel? I, yeah. I don't care about any article or think piece anyone has. The answer is I generally have liked everything that that Marvel Studios has made proper. Correct. Uh, uh and uh, to varying degrees of quality. But, you know, even if you haven't liked some of it, like, the idea that there's somehow ever been... They have yet to, like, really hit the skids where it's like, I don't know what it would take three, four, five in a row before people are like, oh, this might actually be trouble. What killed canon? Well, okay, now see, canon's an interesting thing because they got too big for their britches. So mm. I don't feel... When they try... It's not comparable, Yeah. I don't think so because, like, it was when they try. It's when they bought the rights to Superman and stuff, right? And yeah. They tried to make Spider. It's when they, yeah. The problem with Canon was they got they tried to be what Marvel is now, where it's like mm. we're going to be a big studio, and it was like you you guys aren't that though. That's Whereas not- Marvel is Disney, right? That's what. I, yeah, that's sort of the thing is Canon tried to do it without the backing of a major corporation. And it's just like, you guys just don't have it, i.e. see uh, Superman 4 or even more so uh, Masters of the Universe. <laughs> Where they literally oh, were like running out of money mid-shoot. The know? movie that would be the new gods, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, and the reason they never made their Spider-Man movies is because they ran out of money on Masters of the Universe. Yeah. Uh, you know, so anyway. Uh, but, but before we get to, to talking about uh, our main topic this week. I do want to. It's it's been big for uh, Marvel announcements and reveals the the past couple weeks. Yes, indeed. It feels like almost in some ways as a direct refutation of the movie we're talking about today. Marvel think- Studios had to step up and say, no, 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 no. We've got good stuff in the pipeline. 
Yeah, I because th- yeah, we'll talk about that. But like, I, I also think there's just uh, everything is pro- because of the strikes and stuff as well. I think there is sort of also just like we're only getting one Marvel movie this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do think there is sort of a like keep Marvel in your thoughts, folks. Don't don't forget about us. Um, but but to the layman, we're getting five Marvel movies this year. Yeah, that's and that we'll talk about that in our main topic, which I think is interesting when people talk about what is a Marvel movie. Because I think a lot of the time, you and I mean the films made by Marvel Studios. But yes, correct. Yes, yeah, uh, and that's the this specifically all related to the the announcements we're talking about. I want to take these in order here and talk first about the return of our beloved X-Men. And and when I say our X-Men, I I think for people of our generation, we have a very specific image of X-Men, right? When you first say X-Men. And that is the cartoon series, right? Yeah, 100%. Because I think podcast brethren Jane Miles explain the X-Men have summed this up quite readily in their coverage of X-Men at large. But the X-Men animated series did such a good job of distilling... Yes. The 70s and 80s X-Men that comic book readers fell in love with into a uh, format that 90s kids could devour and then become familiar with these totemic X-Men stories like Dark Phoenix and Savage Lands and like Trial of Magneto, all that stuff. I do, well, I do really think, yeah, the X-Men and, and all of the 90s animated shows, I don't know that I would be the superhero fan I am without those shows because even before i could read i was steeped in the mythos of all of that stuff and particularly yeah. x-men because of all of them x-men was as they talk about the most like adaptation right like batman took elements of this and that but kind of did its own thing but x-men was so like we are going to faithfully adapt and bring to the television format these beloved stories we're gonna do a five-part dark phoenix saga you know like yeah uh, we're gonna do days of future past and so these were all stories i knew very closely before i ever picked up any of the comics yeah exactly and it speaks to a level of authenticity that the show had that it can translate those stories in such a way that like a lot of the details change in those retellings in the X-Men, the animated series, but the stories are so powerful and the beats are so still there and intact that we can recognize it. And it comes to the point where it's like, I don't know if the version of dark Phoenix saga in my brain is the one from the comic or the one from the animated series anymore. That's a hundred percent how I am with pretty much all X-Men stories and characters for that matter, where you just go like, yeah, in my mind though, they are the animated series. I still hear Cal Dodd's voice when I read Wolverine in the comics. Tell Cyclops I made him a convertible. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's 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 great. I'm actually in the middle of because of what we're talking about, the return of this beloved show. I've actually um, I'm I'm in the middle of rewatching the animated series for the umpteenth time, although it's been a few years, but uh, so yeah, the the trailer for X Men ninety seven just dropped. And ninety seven, which is Something I don't think anyone, it's not even something I thought we'd never see in terms of like, God, I wish I could see that. It's not even a thing I ever comprehended anyone would try to do, which is bring back the X-Men 90s show, right? It wasn't, the X-Men 90s show has a beginning, middle, and end. It's not like it was a thing that was taken from us in some way. It's never been a thing where it's just like, God, if only they could make more of that. But 
the second they said they were making more of it, I was like, <laughs> well, it's something that I think Marvel has dropped the ball on, on of things that Marvel Studios itself has dropped the ball on. I think leaning on the ability for animation to distill yeah. these characters into their even more like saying the word generic is doing it a disservice, but like platonic, uh, platonic is, ideal. Yeah. That's the, that's the word I use. Cause I think, I think I'm particularly Batman and X-Men stand out amongst that animated crowd, right? Like yeah. they distilled those characters and worlds so well. I think the Spider-Man animated series did it pretty I, the, well. Yeah. I also too. really like the Spider-Man animated series. And then like the other ones, uh, they just didn't go like <laughs> they just didn't take off for whatever reason. Fantastic Four, Iron Man, Hulk. Uh, Hulk. Yeah, the, and 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 those all have their strong points, but they they all you know there's like 13 episodes of the Iron Man show, you know, like yeah, for whatever reason they, they just inundated people. But yeah, I do think that these were exactly. I I always talk about platonic ideals. I think it's also something the MCU has been good about building on the on the live action front themselves. Right. But, yeah, oh, and. They, they've kind of slacked on animation. Yeah, and you can point to shows like uh, Avengers, Earth Mightiest Heroes as like exemplars of what's happened in the last 20 years where their animation is concerned, or uh, Spectacular Spider-Man is another yeah. great example. Yeah. Um, but, but then for every one of those, you have two yeah. Hulk agents of Smash that, like, look, I know that show has its defenders, but God, I can't stand it. No, me neither. And those are, or like the Guardians of the Galaxy animated series as well. Where like they're they're not necessarily like oh, Agents of Smash I really couldn't stand either but <laughs> but these were specifically you could watch them they're very different than what worked so well about the '90s shows was you know there was like oh well this is aimed at a younger audience but it's it's a real all ages program when you watch something like Agents of Smash you're like okay this is for children isn't it. Well, and that's what made the cancellation of Earth Mightiest Heroes and the creation of the Avengers show that happened directly after that. That felt more movie Assemble. synergistic. Yeah. Um, it, was it just it called Avengers Assemble? I think it is called Avengers Assemble. Um, but it's a show that I couldn't stick with because it felt more geared towards younger children, which is not a bad thing. It's good to have no. younger programming, but as opposed to Earth Minus Heroes, it felt like it was distilling yeah. these stories in the same way that X-Men the animated series has. And so, yeah, the bringing back of X-Men in X-Men 97, um, I'm very curious to see if that's the track they keep going down. Well, cause it's, 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 it's awesome they're doing it, but I don't really, I don't, and, and and we should say, the trailer looks great. I love the trailer. The animation style looks like they're using the same animation department that makes the What If show, but they're yeah. throwing a, I don't know, cel-shaded filter on it to make it look more like the animated series. Yeah, it's, it's a nice hybrid, right, where it's like, clearly this is the modern, this is modern animation, but it's doing enough to make it feel familiar because one of the cool things is it's not, they're not just making another X-Men show. They are truly picking up exactly. And that was what was cool about the trailer, right? Is it literally starts with the end of the X-Men animated series. And then it's, it's imagining if this had just been season six. Sure. Yeah. We're going Look. forward. And now we get to tell all the late nineties, early two thousands X-Men stories in animation form. I don't even 
know if that's true, though, because it feels like this is jumping right into, like, New Mutants era X-Men stuff. Like, I feel like we're going to get late 80s, early 90s stuff. I, I mean, I let's say that there's certainly, uh, the door is open now to all kinds of stuff that didn't exist. I mean, there is some of that that did exist, but... They, they they get to they there's a lot more meat on the bone here for X-Men 98, 99, <laughs> is, is, is this show gonna have Wolverine crucified on a giant X somewhere in the Australian Outback? Is the Siege better. Perilous yeah. gonna be something we walk through? <laughs> uh but I think that's what I'm that's all to say. <laughs> I don't know uh I don't know what this leads to because this is new but also a nostalgia play. This is not part of the MCU, so I don't, yeah, I don't know what to take from, is this a new direction that they're going in? Because right. it feels so singular, right? It's, it's, uh, it automatically, uh, uh, is, is, is hearkening back to something. So I, d yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm so excited for it. And the trailer looks great. Um, because I, you know, Gambit charges Wolverine's claws at one point. In it. <laughs> Look, we got team up moves. We yeah. got, uh, all of our favorite X-Men are back. I love some of the, like, slightly altered costumes because they're like, they haven't just one for one changed people like storms costumes, a little bit more modern um, morphs costume is uh, from, uh, was it extreme X-Men? I think that I think comic run extreme X-Men. Yes. That was uh, like a multiverse hopping run and they ran into morph at some point. I can't um, not say morph's name. Like Wolverine does. And they're like, morph. morph. Yeah. Cause he <laughs> says it so much um, in the show. Uh, no, it looks great. Uh, Cyclops saying to me, my X-Men is just... Oh, and then Magneto at the end of the trailer being like, everything Charles Xavier has belongs to me. Yeah. Like, Dude, I, give me this right now. And it actually is coming out at the end of the month. <laughs> I'm not going to wait that long. But um, it looks great, though. It is, yeah, uh, I'm, I, I'm excited. We are exactly the target audience for it, of course. I'm the guy who bought all the X-Men 96 trades as they were coming out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have all those, too. I've been buying up the... It's interesting. I've been buying the Marvel Legends figures that was the X-Men 92 line that, as this got announced, just morphed into the, uh, <laughs> the X-Men 97 line of action figures. Yeah. So, you know, so I've been... But, yeah, of course, that was the thing was I was like, oh, my God, action figures of the animated series because that is my platonic X-Men. That's also, like, the X-Men lineup I love the most. Uh, you know, when I think the X-Men, I do think it's Cyclops, Gene, Storm, Wolverine, Gambit, you know. Ju and, of course, we know... <laughs> and just over the course of Claremont, there's any number of lineups of characters. Oh, yeah. Like, so, you know. But and in my head, like, Emma Frost is somewhere in that mix, but, like, she inherently doesn't make a ton of sense as a character in this context in the show because she was barely in the animated series. I think it's going to be interesting to see if they start to bring in more characters like that because, like, one of the big... Um, like, Kitty, I don't think, is ever in the animated No, because Jubilee is solidly the Kitty replacement. Right. Whereas really in the comics, Kitty comes in during the Dark Phoenix saga, right. and then she slowly gets phased out, joins Excalibur, and then Jubilee joins the team to be I'm Wolverine's curious. new girl sidekick. <laughs> He's got to have a teenage girl sidekick. They just, yeah, just every time. Um, but uh, actually, let's segue into that because I do want to get through these quickly or else we'll be here all day. Uh, <laughs> speaking of Wolverine, we're also gonna see him in live action again this summer oh the fact that they announced the 
name of the new Deadpool movie is not Deadpool 3. It is not Untitled Deadpool Project. It <laughs> is Deadpool and Wolverine. Deadpool uh, and Wolverine. Made my heart sing. It's the buddy cop movie we want, baby. Uh, yeah, it's... God damn it. The, everything about the marketing for this I, is it's I'm excited for the marketing campaign of this movie because already <laughs> Hugh Jack. Did you see the post Hugh Jackman made the day after it came out where he changed it to Wolverine, Wolverine and asshole? Yeah, Wolverine and asshole. And he goes there. I fixed it. And then <laughs> them just sniping at each other. The poster with the best friends necklace with their masks. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's exactly the right tone. And once again, I've already seen the things like here comes Deadpool three to save Marvel. And he's like, oh, for God's sake. But I mean, they they lampshade it in the trailer, even when he says, like, I'm the Marvel Universe, Jesus. That's that, <laughs> of course, immediately. And I have I've already seen the shirts that are like the 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 church esque drawings of him in the robe with his hand up. Uh, <laughs> And I'm going like I love it, Marvel Jesus, and uh, mm. of course, I mean the tra the trailer's so good because it does start with like oh all your friends from the Deadpool movies, and then it's like hmm? a distinct lack of cable, a distinct Just lack saying. of cable, and uh, <laughs> when uh, when asked Josh Brolin was asked about are you going to be in it, and he's like no I don't know, uh, and so I'm like what the yeah, hell that yeah that's a that's a fucking dodge, <laughs> yeah. That's like Patrick Stewart. Do you see that? Are you going to be in? And he's like, someone called me about a thing. Like, and you're just like, mm. okay, yeah, all right, 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 sure. Yeah. Uh, especially if Cassandra Nova's the villain, which we're pretty sure is the case. It would make sense that Professor X would probably pop in. If you're going to make the bad guy of your movie the psychic twin that Charles Xavier absorbed in the womb, you'd best have Xavier show up. <laughs> I'm so glad they're doing Cassandra Nova because Cassandra, number one, I'm a, as we both are, huge fan of Grant Morrison's new X Men, particularly. Um, to a point. Uh, I, I mean, he had to wrap it up quick. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, that character's so completely insane. Uh, yes. that I'm very curious to see what, what, what she'll be like in a, uh, in a Deadpool, uh, film. But, uh, but then to see then, the instant MCU invade that movie when the TVA showed up. And I was like, oh my God, come on. I'm great. There were rumors that, uh, uh, what's his name was going to be in this movie as uh Mobius. Um, Oh, Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson. Right. Um, and that like for scheduling reasons, he's not going to end up being the agent who like inducts Deadpool in, which is a little disappointing. But I'm, I was very glad to see the TVA here. Yeah, I'm very glad to see the TVA here. They did get Matthew McFadden, who I love from Succession, and he's playing a character called Paradox. Uh, All of the TVA agents have names like that, right? Yeah, and that's great. And also, yeah, I mean, and and also works perfectly. And Deadpool's just being a little scamp. So. Here's my question to you, John, because I had a, a couple people in my orbit kind of bring this up. Yeah. How integral do you think it will be to have consumed Loki going into this movie? Because I think, I mean, like, the MCU has usually been pretty good about, like, you don't need to have seen every little thing to get what's happening. Yeah. I think my guess is, and I think on that same point, and I think they've been good about this. It will probably behoove you greatly to have seen Loki, 
but I'm sure they'll do a good enough job of establishing what the TVA is and the sort of broad, maybe broader points of Loki, because we also don't know exactly where in... I mean, and this is where you get into weird timey-wimey shit, right? Where in the linear timeline of Loki's life, this TVA incursion is. <laughs> you put that perfectly, John. Good yes. job. I'm very proud of you. Because <laughs> I am just going like, mm-hmm. Because that's sort of the thing. Yes. Now, once Loki is removed from the timeline, he's sort of outside of time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But uh, that's sort of the thing. So, I don't know. I think that I, I, my guess is it will probably be a major benefit to have seen Loki. Just because... You'll have a a, a a massive familiarity with the with the TVA. You should also watch it because it's great. It is one yeah. of the things I would say definitively that is a must watch of like Phase Four, right? Uh, I, I I would I, agree. I don't. I think I think most people would. It's a it's been a real highlight, and especially of the Disney Plus shows. So very good, both seasons, amazing television. So uh, pro- probably probably a lot, but probably it does seem like they're also using the TVA as a springboard into the story, right? Yeah. And, like, we had little shots of some kind of, like, wasteland that is probably the void at the end of time that is set up in Loki. Um, There was a big gas cloud that ate a guy, and I'm pretty sure that's Eliath, which is the big gas cloud monster in that show as well. I do like that the trailer, though, still, even though the movie's called Deadpool and Wolverine, doesn't, doesn't show much Wolverine. So we've had like behind the scenes photos of no, we know, we know Hugh Jackman in full costume. We oh, know what it's going to look like. Yeah, they have the the mask was on display somewhere at some convention. Yeah. Looks cool as hell. Um, so of course, and it's it's in the promotion. So yeah, we know he's we know we're going to get him. But they still. But to me though, and this is what I love, and so many other comic book nerds also saw this. Of course, we've seen the set photos. We know he's going to wear the full suit, but all of us are excited. That he's in a goddamn white dinner jacket at a casino table. It has to be in Madripoor. And he's patched. If he, if he has the eye patch on, I will lose my goddamn mind. It is. And it's the best because it's also, he's in the full white dinner jacket at the table. And it's just all about that crazy hairdo as it should be. What? There are moments in these Marvel movies where the scene will pause on a moment that is clear that the movie is letting the crowd react for something. Yeah. Sometimes it's very obvious what that is doing. Like when the Hulk beats the shit out of Loki at the end of Avengers. Classic pause moment for Hulk to say puny God. Yeah. Crowd cheers. Everybody has good time. Actually, if you, then, if you remember when we first saw it, people were still screaming that we actually, I actually didn't hear him say puny God the first time. Yeah. Because people but were then, screaming. Yeah. You have moments like in Guardians of the Galaxy where we cut away to a duck with a martini and half the crowd goes, ah, and half the crowd goes, huh? Yeah, that's weird. Uh, (laughs) Yes, and that is very much this where, okay, what I like is this is kind of a twofer, right? Because you see that hair and most people know Hugh Jackman and the hair. So they're like, oh, cool, Wolverine. But us conferences are like, no, but he's in his patch identity currently. You know, the perfect cover story for the man with that crazy of hair, an eye patch. I love he puts on that eye patch. Nobody knows who he is. Well, because he's Wolverine. Why would he need an eye patch yeah, if he was Wolverine? Wait a All right. Wolverine doesn't have an eye patch, so no way. Um, <laughs> I love it. It's so comic booky, and it's it's the best, and I cannot wait. And, of course, then you get the cool, the shadow of Wolverine standing over Deadpool, and the claws pop out, and you're just like, oh, 
Well, and we've got all sorts of rumors flying around about exactly what this movie is about. So we already know we're going to get some variants of Deadpool in this movie. Odds are we're going to get some variants of Wolverine as well. And so we don't know who this patch is necessarily. There are rumors that like maybe some different actors play some of these parts. Although that I will say at least the build of that guy from behind looked like Hugh Jackman because that was a tall, broad-shouldered gentleman. But um, so I don't believe very easy don't believe, to fake that sort of stuff. It is. I don't. So based off of that footage, I don't immediately believe that people are like, "Oh, it's Daniel Radcliffe." Um, mm. God, that would be so funny. Because I mean, they've done that before, where like they take a fan cast, and I mean, that was yeah, Krasinski as uh, Mister Fantastic. Yeah. Um, hey, so glad you said Mister Fantastic, because that leads us into the last thing I want to say before we get into this. Uh, that's how good we've gotten to this. Seamless, baby. Uh, let's, let's call it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it really works when we call out how seamless it is. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, we have an FF, an official Fantastic Four, and it is exactly the rumored cast from several months ago. Shocking no one, except yeah, for I, the people who aren't paying attention. Right, yeah. But it is a thing where it's like, uh, we. I think back like end of last year, I had heard this lineup. And, yeah. I, and at the time, I thought, and I still do, yeah, that sounds pretty cool. I'm on board with this casting. We, I got, yeah. Past, you know, we've known for a while. That was pretty much a, a, a given for most of this year. Here's the problem with casting Pedro Pascal as Reed Richards. Mm. By doing that, Marvel has intrinsically locked themselves into a plot that Reed Richards now has to find a magical child to escort across a wasteland. That's just, like, contractually obligated now. Yeah, are are we sure he didn't want to play Wolverine? Because that seems more like a Wolverine plot. I'm saying, like, (laughs) look, now we just... All we know is now that Franklin Richards is guaranteed to be a character in this movie and that the family's going to have to escort him across the wasteland. I was going to say, I don't know, man. I saw Herbie the Robot in that thing. So maybe he has to escort Herbie the Robot far across. Because uh, I will say, I, I the, the casting announcement was not, none of it was surprising. But the way they announced it was so, so fun on Valentine's Day with yeah. that very... Old school, what would have totally been in the back of a Fantastic Four pinup, right? Like, yeah, it's so good. I've actually been, I'm, I'm in the middle of a reread of, uh, or maybe actually a read because I think about up until recently, I haven't read like classic Fantastic Four in any kind of order, but I've been reading John Burns, oh. you know, Fantastic Four, which I, you know, to me is really. I love what Lee and Kirby did, but as I think you and I both share the opinion of. They're not the most uh, digestible of comics, maybe, from the 1960s sometimes. You have to be in a very particular mindset to digest early Silver Age comics. Yeah, and 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 I find that I, I can enjoy a couple issues, and then I'm like, okay, I've got to get out of here. Like, I just can't. I, uh, so anyway, John Byrne, to me, is really where I recommend a lot of people start with it, because I feel like come, he's coming off of working with Claremont on the X-Men, and that really is where it starts to feel like modern FF. And once yeah. again, right in. I'm sure we're going to get a litany of comments going, well, you forgot about blah, blah, blah. And I'm well, sure- and in that run, you also have like the inclusion of She-Hulk and stuff. And Yeah, uh, and that's 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 where you get a lot of the, that's where you get uh, 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 like a Nihilus and uh, like a lot of the, a lot of the big negative zone stuff comes in there. 
Um, that's what Franklin exists at that point. I do. Yeah. I just feel like a lot of what I think of as the fantastic four comes from there. That being said, uh, big question. Gurgoni, is this a period piece? Sure as hell seems like it. I have a feeling that it's going to, if not like a third of the way through the movie, at least by the end will somehow intersect with, whatever modern day Marvel looks like. We've seen enough multiverse stuff at this point that this could just as easily be a 2026 or whatever year it's actually set in, but where retro futurism took over. Yes. Yes. That's also been suggested, right? Like the idea that it's a, it's a uh, alternate reality or a variant reality, a uh, different earth where it's just sixties esque. Although I love that people have, this is, you gotta love nerds. They've zoomed into the issue of Newsweek. Yeah, that I saw that. Is reading to figure out. Wait, it is specifically November whatever, nineteen sixty three. You know, you're like, good lord. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but let's quickly. Look, run down. I I yeah. like that it's called the Fantastic Four because yeah. uh, they're not fucking around in terms of like, no, it's the Fantastic Four. You're always going to say the the. Yeah, you're not. <laughs> They didn't put the number four in the name at any anywhere. Thank uh, God. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's quickly run down this cast. Yes, Pedro Pascal as Reed Richards. Love it. My biggest thing always is just he's already got the salt and pepper hair, baby. He's already got it. Does he go beard or no beard? I go no beard. I would think, it, especially if they're going retrofuturism. Like mm. I want him as that Kennedy era. Um, They'll never allow it due to stupid MPA stuff. I would love it if we had a pipe, but I know that tobacco mm. depictions. But I, I, I love uh, Ascot, 1960s Reed Richards with his pipe. Um, Vanessa Kirby is our invisible woman. Um, yep. Great. Love Vanessa Kirby. So excited to see her. Obviously, she's from my beloved Mission Impossible franchise, <laughs> uh, where she plays the White Widow. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's great though. Uh, and especially I can't wait to see what kind of physicality she brings to that role because it's, you know, she does a lot of action, y sort of stuff. So wouldn't it be great if the invisible woman was like she is in the comics, the strongest character on that team? Yeah. Like <laughs> I think the, in those mid 2000 was at least like, I think they like paid lip service there, but they just never did anything with it. What, Fant Forstick or well, no, the ones before that? The, the, the Tim Story ones with Jessica Alba. I think they, they like, there's like talk about like the potential of your powers is amazing. Anyway, let's not explore further. Uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's a big cloud coming to eat us. Let's not yeah, worry about I mean, it. Fair, I don't remember the last time I watched those. So, um, uh, I, but I will say, uh, Fant Forstick really made me go, you know what? Those weren't that bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> They were at least attempting to be like the comics. Uh, we have Joseph Quinn as the Human Torch, who we saw on uh, Stranger Things Season 4. Mm-hmm. Um, I like him. I think... Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, he's a little untested. I think he, obviously, Stranger Things um, and some other work here and there, but hasn't exactly had a, a breakout role that this maybe might be. And I think that's the right place to have uh, yeah. Johnny Storm at. yeah. And then uh, a familiar face to, to those of us who have uh, watched all the Marvel stuff, Eben Moss Bacharach. Um, Frank Castle is going to be so confused when <laughs> this when guy shows up. When microchip is actually the thing. Um, <laughs> by the way, I did see that photo of Bernthal in the fucking Punisher vest, and I was just like... <sighs> 
Okay, 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 okay. I need this in my life. Uh, he's back. Almost there. Yeah. Um, but no, uh, great. He, see, because Ben Grimm has always been, I think, the toughest one to fan cast. I think because people get hung up on the physicality of it. And yeah. he's a tall kind of, he's a tall guy, like a tall, bigger guy, uh, Baccarat. But he's not beefy like Chick like Chickless was and I still think the maybe the best casting choice in those Tim Story movies because you're just like, Yeah, yeah, that's what the drawing of Ben Grimm. Like, yeah, that's <laughs> Well, uh, and it helps when you have a dude that you can like just mold rubber onto and the physicality is already kind of there. Right. We're here because obviously the thing will be a mocap character. They've really leaned harder into the personality of Ben Grimm. And that's why I think this is dead on casting. Especially yeah. if you're if you watch The Bear, which is one of my favorite shows, and he's one of the main actors in it. Does he play the bear? <laughs> he plays the titular bear. Uh yeah. but Good for him. He, he is the uh grittier, harder edged secondary character to the main character on the show. And that's why and he has a real chip on his shoulder. He's dealing with a lot. And so if those who have seen the bear, I think, just in terms of personality, are like, oh, God, that's a Ben Grimm. That's a guy who, because on that show, he's so mad at the world. And, you know, he's he's very city, urban guy. See, and, like, that, you're right. In that, like, that is a yeah. lot. There are a lot of Ben Grimm stories that are that. But, like, we got that dialed up to, like, 12 in Fant 4 stick. Well, so yeah. I would love to have a Ben Grimm that smiles. Well, that's the other thing that <laughs> the 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 arc of his character on the bear is a guy who finds his place in the world. And I mean, mm. I don't want to spoil too much, but like that character is so compelling because you should hate him, but you love him. Mm. Like, and so I think that's where the ever loving blue eyed thing, Mrs. Grimm's boy. Uh, mm -hmm. I think he is going to be able to pull that off. I love the inclusion of the picture of him and the astronaut suit and the background of it too it's just a little nod um also are they gonna have the sweater uniforms that would be cool i i dig them i honestly do i also i've seen a lot of people go mm, very cosplayable that seems <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to skin tight lycra or whatever right uh yeah yeah uh but also they when you talk about that tone once again it's just it's a drawing but still they look like they're having fun. They look like a family. You know what I mean? That's that's another thing that really heartened me about it. I love the old Cinerama type logo for the Marvel that they the the Marvel Studios logo as well on mm -hmm. it. Um I'm psyched. Yeah, I mean I was already psyched, obviously, but <laughs> have you been reading the new Ryan North Fantastic yeah. Four series it's, that's just great. phenomenal? It's wonderful. It's really good. I'm so glad uh, when Dan Slott brought it back, uh, that was great. And I love that the Fantastic Four have really been uh, like well served in the comics because, of course, we know they were really kicked to the curb for a while. And I was oh, yeah. furious as a huge fan of I, the FF is one of my favorite books, has always been one of my favorite books in Marvel. I mean, um, how many years after Secret Wars did they just not have an FF book kicking around? Probably four or five. I don't know. It was a while, yeah, that's right? Wild. Where it felt like forever. It was because James Robinson wrote it into Secret Wars, and then it was just like, yeah, we're not going to give Fox any free publicity for their movies. You're like, but at the expense of the 
book that made your company? Because, I mean, let's not forget the Fantastic Four is the start of Marvel as we know it, really. It's the thing that established, like, oh, Spider-Man is also in this New York? Right, yeah. It, it, it's, it's really, it's so interesting that it's taken this long. Of course, it's all just stupid legal reasons for that, right? Sure. For them to, because they are, in a lot of ways, the glue of the Marvel Universe. They are, all roads kind of lead through them. If you, if you read any book, and there's a good chance Reed Rich is going to answer some science problem for somebody. You know what I mean? Like, they are... Well, so, and that's why I was only half kidding about Franklin Richards being, like, maybe a pivotal character in this movie. Because, like, famously for the longest time, look, he is a huge continuity knot. We don't have all day to explain all this. But oh to put it succinctly, he is uh, Reed and Sue's first kid. Yep. He is a reality-warping mutant. And he has had tons of crossovers with the X-Men and the New Mutants and the Power Pack and tons of other characters. Here and the, um, the Chip Zdarsky uh, Fantastic Four X-Men crossover from a couple years ago. Yeah, what that was where it sort of kind of got retconned that uh, or just after that, that it was retconned that Franklin wasn't a mutant anymore. Yeah, because it was it was during that because I that was during the Krakoa the beginning of the Krakoa area. Yeah, and it was like they the basically like the X Men going like he should come live with us and they're like but he's our son and like yeah it's really it was I thought it was great I mean I was on Chip Zdarsky yeah one of the best writers in comics but uh yeah I this, no there's all kinds of stuff and he can because he is a continuity nut you could actually use that to your benefit kind of like they're doing with Deadpool. Where you can actually make a lot of stuff hinge on him, like you're saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And I'm curious so. what and and the way that they've been spinning um Kamala Khan as well into the mutant stuff, I think there's a lot of potential. Uh it's gonna be really interesting to see how because I think the Fantastic Four come in easier than the the X-Men is a whole thing. Well, and I think Deadpool and Wolverine is maybe going to answer some of these questions about how do mutants suddenly appear in the MCU? Yeah. Is there is this all going to be a, like a shakeout of the eventual Secret Wars and Battle World and what have you? We'll see. Right. right. Uh, and then, like I said earlier, also um, Herbie is on the <coughs> and that makes me happy because we've never seen a cinematic Herbie. Who is your fan cast for? I've been thinking this. Yeah, I've been thinking about this. You were thinking about Herbie. I'm thinking about their mailman. Oh, um, oh God, what is his name? Because um, it was great. I will say that's something else I also liked in the Tim Story movie was uh, Stan Lee as the mailman was a good mm -hmm. cameo. Um, oh God, what is their what is their mailman's name? Well, the big, of course, the big one everybody wants is everybody. I love this once again. What I love about comic fans, we get this big announcement. It's so cool. Can't wait for this movie. And that's like, yeah, yeah. But who's playing Doctor Doom? <laughs> I hope Doctor Doom's not in this movie. I feel like Doctor. I feel like. What I hope is Victor Von Doom is in this movie. Maybe in a flash. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I would love to seed it. Uh, it's Willie the Mailman, by the way. I there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel bad about that. Um, no, oh, <laughs> uh, because, no, I, I, I think, I think, well, because, once again, rumor, 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 who knows, but the rumor is Galactus is the villain. Good. And Give me a big guy in a purple suit. That they're talking to Javier Bardem to play. Galactus is who, who they want. And you do think about, I mean, because, you know, the look, Galactus is a lot. So you do just need somebody with presence and authority. And Bardem is also weird. Oh, yeah. Now, here's my question to you. Yeah. 
with a Galactus, I can see it going two routes. Either it's Javier Bardem in a CG purple giant suit, yep. which I'm not opposed to, right. or they rework Galactus a little bit to look more like a Celestial. Yeah, I think that I think the Celestials. I definitely had that thought um, during uh, Eternals that mm. this is a good roadmap for Galactus, like that. This is almost like <laughs> that the Celestials can walk, so Galactus can run. You know, what I, mean? <laughs> I think we I just think, need to introduce big space dudes. That's what it right, needed to do. Like, it's like, yeah, okay, can can people buy this? All right, now we can get to Galactus being the ultimate big space dude. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I, my guess is it'll probably land somewhere between the two, right? Like, yeah, um, and one well, especially because I think the other big thing, uh, the that that would give them confidence in that right is Brolin's Thanos, right? Is the idea that we mm. can put a really good actor in uh, a fully mocap performance and that actor will come through. And yeah. so I do think that they could cast a Javier Bardem and even if he looks like giant comic book Galactus, there'll still be a Bardem quality to it. Just his voice coming out of a big purple space dude is what I want. So I yeah, I'm fine with that. Wait. I can't wait, man. Um, by the way, so many great... I didn't see these other little photos that have been done. I did see Phil Noto's poster um where he did them in their in their um sweater costumes but you've seen the one that's on the imdb i i don't i don't know if this is a, it must be official in some capacity uh them in the jetsons car like in the the actual jetsons car or the basically the it's basically the jetsons car there in a little it's not the fantastic car. car i think it's i think it's meant to be a rendering of the fantastic car but it's totally a little bubbled in uh that's cute. Look at that. And Herbie's with them. <laughs> they seem to be going light beard mustache on Reed, at least in this promotional stuff. Yeah, but that's just because that's what Pedro people Pascal. know Pedro Pascal looks like. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what he's going to actually end up being, but I do like the sweater, uh, especially if you look at the the one where they're sort of all standing. It looks more like a movie poster. I like yeah. the, the sweatery outfits. Is that a uh, Dan Hip who did the? Uh, that looks like Dan Hip work over on the uh, the Jetsons one. I think it is, yeah. Because I think the the one where they're all standing like that is Phil Noto. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think you're right about the the Jetsons one. They don't credit these, but I, I these I've seen these. IMDb not crediting people. What? <laughs> IMDb. Doesn't credit them. I saw the Noto one on his Instagram. So yeah. Um. Can't wait though. I mean, look, just. And also, Gargani, next summer, in the same month, we're going to get Superman and Fantastic Four. I, I just, I, the world we live in. Are those the two most wholesome superhero pairings? Is Superman and Fantastic Four, if done right? I kind of think so, yeah. This pre- I'm into it. Uh, a, a, a friend of the show, Brendan Jones, is already trying to get um, 2025 summer uh, Barbenheimer to be super fantastic. Oh, well, okay. You've sold me. It's a super fantastic summer. Uh, it's a super fantastic summer. <laughs> <laughs> credit where credit's due. That's uh, our pal Brendan Jones. Uh, yep. Really yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it, it beats four men. <laughs> it sure does. It sure does. Uh, so, uh, all right. We're excited for all that. Uh, let's switch gears and talk about a movie we just saw in theaters. We're let's not- talk about something that we're li- way less excited about. 
Goni, I, I, I got to say, though, I, I'm really glad you broadened your horizons and agreed to talk about this little indie French film, Madame Web. <laughs> if I would have seen a little indie French oh, film oh, in oh. Screen X at noon yeah. yesterday. That's right. You, yeah, you saw this in Screen X, which I'm... You saw the whole picture, man. I didn't see the whole movie. Look, I experienced a level of depth with Sony's Marvel's Presents yeah. Madam Web that Sony you can't even comprehend. Sony Pictures Presents in association. You know you're in trouble when that Marvel logo goes out all the way to say in association with. And this is the old Marvel logo with like the flipping yeah. pages. And I had those pages to my left and to my right as that was flipping. Oh, my God. I've only seen one movie in Screen X, and I hated the experience so much. For those who don't know, Screen X is like, what if we didn't have a screen wide enough to show an IMAX film, so we just got two more projectors to shoot yeah. at the sides of the walls? It is the most desperately gimmicky of, I mean, that. It's not the most. There's 4DX. 4DX exists. That's the That's the one where the seats move, right? The seats move and they spray you with water yeah, and they that, rumble. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That is it. But that this is one step from that where you just go like, and I saw one movie out of sheer curiosity. It was the second Jumanji movie I saw in Screen X. And I think actually if you go back in our archives, if you're one of our patrons, you can hear us talk about and me rail against it because <laughs> it is the stupidest idea. Yeah. Literally, there are two other projectors that are aimed at, at the left and right walls to the side of you. So the yep. whole idea is... To the whole idea they always talk about is like you're you're engulfed by them, you're surrounded by the film, um, and it's basically so, extensions of backgrounds for the most part. For the most part, there are a couple of cool things that they can do with it. I don't think it's worthy of like seeing every movie in this way, but like if you're in a scene in which, and they do it a lot in this movie, so like. God help me, but I think I actually got something out of the Screen X experience here. <laughs> I can't speak to it. I'll just say the, the one I saw I did not enjoy. So, uh, If someone's like driving in a car and you've got uh, stuff whipping past them, having yeah. that sense of speed and momentum to either side of you as well can enhance the experience I a little bit. That makes sense because one of the only movies I heard people kind of talk about being a good experience in Screen X was Ford versus Ferrari. Like mm. the racing scenes in that. Uh, and the other beyond was kind of cool in it. The other moments I can speak to that like have some kind of like experiential enhancement is if you're in a situation in which the character is like surrounded by something mm. and you can get kind of a left and to the right, usually if they're like underwater or in this case, experiencing the tendrils of fate, like it can be like, oh, these extend beyond my even peripheral vision. I don't know, man. It sounds pretty scary. Tendrils of fate spanning all around. That's a lot. Uh, well, look, John, when you have the responsibility, the power will come. Pretty sure that's how that phrase goes. Something along that. Yeah, I do love the, it's just the reverse. Um, but, uh, uh God, this yeah. movie, the uh, Sony pictures presents Madam Webb brought to you by the good folks at Pepsi Cola. Uh, wow. The fact that Pepsi killed the final boss of this movie astounded I me. I, <laughs> I wish I was joking. I so wish I was joking. Oh, I, I was texting somebody that the other day going, I swear I am not making this up. Um, <laughs> I Did Pepsi pay for this whole movie? Because I'm not sure I've ever seen a product more integrated into a movie. 
like to the point where it's impossible not to notice, right? Like, but Benjamin Parker, uncle to Spider Man, wouldn't you think I would like a beer? No, Cassandra Webb, the main character of this movie, you should instead have a nice, refreshing Pepsi Cola. And every single shot, it's you. I can I can imagine the 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 AD going, yeah, Dakota, could you just yeah turn the label? There it is. We need you to face the cola to the uh, lens. Uh, oh wait! Oh uh, oh, oh, oh yeah. Um, no. Okay. So, Madam Webb, here's the thing: we we work so hard not to cover this movie. Um, <laughs> we did. You and I, we were talking about. I asked you not to cover this movie. Point we, blank. We, we looked for anything. Right. We went through. We were going through releases of stuff. What's coming out? What could it be? And some of that. Of course, a lot of that is we we just didn't want to see it, but also I don't like to come on here and bag on a movie, right? That's really True. not yeah. we're, that's, we're not we're not here to bash on a film. Um it, it, there's plenty of people that do that. Uh so I do want to try to be as constructive as possible. While I was just saying this is pretty shockingly bad. Like for us for a because the uh, I'll, I'll I'll couch it in this. I've seen a lot of the I haven't watched it, but I've seen a lot of the YouTube you know, headlines going, the worst movie I have ever seen. And it's like, okay, it's not that, because that's insane. But I've seen I, Manos the Hands of Fate. It's a very low bar. That's what I mean. We know bad, right? You know, yeah. we're pretty experienced in truly bad. But I will say, this it, it's pretty shocking how bad this is for a 2024 big-budget studio movie. It's pretty yeah. bad that this many people could be involved in something, and it be this sloppy and just poor like poorly executed i have such a grudge against the cinematographer of this movie now because he has ruined the rack focus for me the 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 zoom lens on this thing is i mean within like five minutes of the movie i'm going i saw this with our friend brendan and uh and i i, I about maybe five ten minutes i just turned to him and went what's with all the zooming what Every is- time they cut to a new character and they hard zoom in, it 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 just it keeps happening over and over and over again. And like, like that's the only move this movie has, like on a cinematography level. It's like it's. I mean, I I can't say it's poorly shot, but they make weird decisions, right? That make you go, "What are you What are you doing?" Some of it is to try to instill that level of disorientation that the main character Cassandra nay Madam Webb right. uh is experiencing and look they do a good job of making it confusing as hell if that's what their goal was uh <laughs> yeah and here's the thing about it the, my, my my big overarching thing with this and this is so cuz i want to talk i i, I do want to spend a, a, a fair amount of time talking about um Sony Pictures Spider-Man universe cuz i really sure. think that's where the most interesting conversation about this movie is yeah than the movie itself, um, but uh, uh, the 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 thing about it is, I agree with the because the reviews for this have been abysmal, right? Um, but uh, I think it has a thirteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which you know take from that. Which, 
That's yeah. real bad. There's a lot of dogpiling on that of just like, it's fun to bag on this movie now. And look, we're going to have a little bit of fun with it yeah, ourselves. Because it, it is really bad. But I, 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 do, I, I do, that's why I want to couch it in. I don't think it's uniquely spectacularly bad. It's no. bad in the way a lot of comic book stuff is. I do agree with the people who talk about, this does feel like a throwback to when comic book movies were bad in the like early 2000s. It's that level of bad. This feels so similar to me, and John, you're going to hate me for this comment, at least the original theatrical cut of uh, Ben Affleck's Daredevil. Oh, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's got a very similar, like, structure. I think the villain is just as fleshed out. I think the main characters are all kind of have similar beats. I I think that's fair. I think that's right where I would place it in terms of quality as well. Uh, I think, uh, also I do, I do want to issue an apology right up front. This is something I did want to get out of the way. I apologize, Dr. Michael Morbius. Um, no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Much better than this movie. I think it is both better and worse. I think these are, they're both bad in equal measure in different ways. I don't think in equal measure. Morbius holds together as a movie way more than this does. (laughs) Way more than this does. And I mean, this movie doesn't star any uh, potential cult leaders, so I'm going to give it that right out of the gate. Okay, whatever. But I mean, the but the biggest thing, and actually, I will say this about the Daredevil movie as well, and why I think this is worse than than that too. There's nothing fun in this movie. Morbius has things like Matt Smith's performance, where you're like, "All right, this guy's having fun." And same thing with Daredevil has Colin Farrell, you know, or whatever. And you're like, "Okay, there's like." Uh, a joy. Everybody here seems to be here at gunpoint. Um, like, really, everybody here is just like, what compromising photos or files do you have on these actors? Because, my God, nobody wants to be in this thing. I, I did wonder what blackmail they had on Mike Epps that he would show up in this film. For... To do nothing. To do nothing. To to get run over by a car, like everybody else in this movie. I will say the one person who comes out of this wholly unscathed for me is National Treasure Adam Scott, who is he's a charisma machine. Yeah, like there there were times in the movie where I I was like laughing at stuff he said, and it was just the way he said, and I just go, this guy, man, he is Teflon. You know, I mean, like even in this, he's he's playing young Uncle Ben in a fucking Madam Web movie, and I'm going. Damn, I feel charmed by him. And the only, actually, the only couple halfway decent scenes are when it's just him and Dakota Johnson and they're just kind of riffing. And you go, like, well, they actually kind of have a nice chemistry. And it stands out because no one else has chemistry with anyone in this movie. I was asked to describe, like, how this movie is connected to Spider Man. I'm like, well, it stars the co worker of Spider Man's dead uncle. And that gives you an exact idea of how deep into the well we're digging here. I think, and 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 Brendan was doing this, and he keeps going. He goes, so he goes, so so he's Tom Holland's Uncle Ben, and I go, oh, it doesn't matter. He's he's, he's a in- generic, yeah. That's the thing, and that's I will say that is one of the one of the big overarching problems with Sony is <laughs> they're building a universe around a central character, and they really haven't nailed down who or what that central character is, other than some vague concept of Spider-Man. 
he is the totemic ideal of Spider-Man that exists in all of our hearts that you have to accept exists. And yeah. then the rest of these movies make some vague amount of sense. Right. Cause you're just going like, I don't, I don't. And like, and then even still what I love is even their, their connections to each other. Cause I'm going like, is this the same universe as Venom and Morbius? No, it can't be. It can't be. I think it's supposed to be though. Isn't it? Uh, no no how can it not be because okay what can it what does it present that would contradict that because this movie is set uh, as if i constantly remind you is set in 2003 even though the psp wasn't released until 2004 yeah um that's been brought up yeah that bugged me a lot um (laughs) i didn't have that immediate knowledge but i did have a thing where i thought like it does seem a little early if so, okay. It roughly ten years in the future. Yes, the Spider Women who are teenagers in this film Correct. kill Ezekiel Sims in uh, his video. That, that, that is his. Yes, that's what he keeps dreaming of. Yes, even though he does not know that it is Pepsi Cola that will crush him ultimately. He just, you know what? He's got to. He's got to cut off a big sugar man. That's the problem. Um, yeah, it, it turns out the dreams are actually a metaphor for diabetes. But <laughs> yeah, if in ten years the yeah. three of them do indeed achieve superpowers, as is predicted by the visions Madam Web is granted, how they achieve those superpowers? Not explained in this movie. Other spiders, don't worry about. Wouldn't it. give a shit. Uh, I mean, look, there's a lot of like not making sense, at least in terms of comic book logic where this movie is concerned. Just, um, like, just the, just the idea that there's not even a hint. They just go, these girls will be spider powered people someday. And there is not even the inkling of a hint of how that happens to them. It's really unclear why the main villain's doing anything he's doing, let it, let alone any of the motivations of the heroes. But well, the other thing, yeah, that's a big, <laughs> we'll get into that. Ezekiel Sim is a massive problem in this movie. Yeah. But in 10 years time, they will, in theory, be spider-based superheroes, correct? Yeah. Uh, That's what the movie posits. In none of the Venom films have they indicated that super people exist. Uh, That's, yes, that's true. Um, However, from what I gather, I don't think this was the case now, but uh, uh, something I had heard was Sony was floating the idea of maybe we don't have a Spider-Man in our universe. Maybe it's the three spider women, and that's who Venom could go up against. Sure, if that's what they want to do. But, like, I I love that we're at a point in the Marvel Cinematic Universe where we know we live in a universe in which superheroes are at least somewhat commonplace. And we can make reference to the idea of superheroes and and super people. And Morbius mentions Venom in his movie. Yeah. So, I mean, but, like, they they make it, you know, say what you will about whatever, but, like, Morbius is clearly supposed to be happening concurrently with the Venom movies. This is yeah. set before that. And here's the interesting thing about this, because this has not been confirmed, but a lot of people pointed to some strong evidence that this was supposed to be set in the 90s, and then they shot some of it, and then during production made it 2003. And there is some evidence of that, uh, including like the cars that are in it and stuff like that. Um, that, oh, that the cars. 
<laughs> at some point, uh, oh, just talking about her just cruising around in that stolen taxi cab for the entire second and third act of the movie. Okay, my favorite, but, and that's insane enough. But here's my favorite thing, and once again, and I, 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 I don't normally. There were not many people in the theater. Brennan it was and I, me and two other people. Brendan and I talked almost through the whole movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> quietly to each other. There was no one around us. Sure. We weren't disturbing anyone. But I also did see a guy maybe four rows in front of me uh, actively check the time on his phone going into the climax of this movie. <laughs> okay, so I don't get the sense anyone else is enjoying the movie. Um, but one of the things I... The thing that made me laugh the most about the taxi cab is she goes to Peru comes back and yeah. then gets back in the taxi. <laughs> that means she parked the stolen taxi cab at the airport. <laughs> My favorite thing is when she goes home with the taxi cab, finds a random crowbar underneath another car, yeah. pries off the license plates, and yeah. then just leaves the pried off license plates on the ground next to the taxi cab. And I also love the idea about like <laughs> the, 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 they think the prying off of the, of the, uh, uh, the, license plates is enough to just be like, yeah, so now no one will bother. It's like, except for she'd get stopped for not having license plates. Or the cab number on the top well, of the cab also, that yeah, the cab company would report stolen. <laughs> but then she trades it out for a stolen ambulance at the end of this thing. So, uh, uh, yeah, no. Uh, Madam Webb's real superpower in this movie is ve attempted vehicular manslaughter and Grand Theft Auto. What I was going to say, back to a point I was going to make, is like the, the, the biggest problem, and I saw a lot of reviews, and I'm not saying that you... I don't think you could make a great Madam Web movie. I, I just don't. But the idea of Final Destination as a superhero movie could have been interesting if you eliminate everything to do with spiders and the... Like, it, you could have made a, a somewhat compelling movie about a woman who sees various futures and defeats a villain by doing that. It's simpler than that. It's way simpler than that, John. Because this movie, at its heart, what it could have been is just Terminator. The oh, woman sure. can see the future, has yep. to save some young girls. Yeah. They think she's crazy because only she has seen the future. Yep. An unstoppable killing machine is coming after them. They don't have to be spider people. He doesn't have to be a spider guy. He doesn't have to be... By the way, 100% reverse Spider-Man. He's literally wearing the reverse colors of Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, it's crazy to me. Uh, the other thing both Brendan and I said coming out of it is like, uh, so does this mean like 17 years from now, Uncle Ben is like, you know, Peter, I saw a guy in a crazy costume. And it's like, does, does, does Ezekiel Sims somehow inspire Spider-Man in this universe then? Or is one of the car accidents that Cassandra Webb causes and Ezekiel Sims is present for the reason why J. Jonah Jameson hates spider people so much? Well, we do get a name check at J. Jonah Jameson in this, don't we? Do we? Yeah. Uh, um, oh, shit. Uh, the one girl, Maddie Franklin, mentions, you know, my uncle, J I could call my uncle Jonah. He's got connections everywhere. Oh, I didn't even pick up on that. Yeah. Oh, well, because it's one of a litany of Spider-Man Easter egg reference things that this movie can't fucking stop doing. But also not say, like, they're so oblique as to be missable is the problem. Because, like, they never say, like, oh, that is, <laughs> th this is Ben Parker, who you would have to, like, do some mental arithmetic to go, like, oh, so Uncle Ben. Mm -hmm. And then his 
uh, sister-in-law, so yep. is married to Ben's brother, Richard, who's never in the movie, he's which is super off weird. always screen on business. I always love it. It's like, he's on another business trip, being a spy somewhere for S.H.I.E.L.D., most likely. Uh, <laughs> I hate that storyline, but yeah, sure. Um, Whatever. He's always, it's so weird. Um, why not? But we can also never say Ben's new girlfriend's name. We can't say May for some reason. We can never say the baby's name, which is Peter for some reason. I don't know why they do that. That's a very weird decision. Right? I don't know what that's about. Like, I think that's, I think they think they're being clever. Right? I think they, I think they think they're winking. But yeah, there is a, the, the running thing about, there's a running joke about them never saying the baby's name. And yeah, the one, the, the only brief mention of May is just a scene where Ben goes, yeah, I'm dating this woman and I really like her. And that's it. That's it. Could be the one. Because of course, famously, <laughs> we all know Ben Parker's best friend, Cassandra Webb, back when they were paramedics together. What? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know that, came from, that came out of nowhere. I appreciate that they're not doing the whole, like, uh, May was actually Peter's mom storyline yeah, yeah, from I the don't, comics. I don't yeah, any of that stuff. No, that that's that's dumb. Um, I, I'm but, glad they didn't go that route, but but I did. I, I did think the amount of time it's like it's me and my sister-in-law to the point where I thought, why not just make him Richard Parker? Wouldn't that have simplified yeah. the movie a lot if it's just yeah. like. Me, my pregnant wife, I'm Spider-Man's dad. But you know that somebody went, yeah, but nobody knows who Richard and Mary Parker are. They know Uncle Ben. Like this, I do agree with, I was watching a, a YouTube video, shout out to the, the guys over at- That silence was me just shaking my head yeah. going, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, shout out to the guys over at Mr. Sunday Movies who do Caravan of Garbage. Uh, I love their stuff. Uh, but I was watching their review of this and they, they brought up a good point. They brought up something I totally agree with, which is this movie you can feel was noted to death. Oh yeah. It oh yeah. Nothing but studio notes. And that's always been the case in Sony, but I feel like this is now the culmination of Sony noting a film to death because Dakota Johnson talks about that. She signed on for a movie and then over the course of the production of it, the script changed so much that uh, when she has some quote, but she goes, I don't even, I couldn't even remember what the original script looked like by the end of the production of this thing. Yikes. Because whatever, because she talks about, she goes, I wasn't interested in doing a superhero thing, but then they showed me a script. I said, Oh, this is kind of interesting. Yeah, I would play this. And then it's from the sound of it. It just descended into compromises, changes, notes. And now she's stuck in this thing because I did think there's no way she read any script that read like this because she would never, none of these people would. There's also some evidence and, and that uh, Sony's kind of misleads people. Matt Smith kind of said this about mm. sort of misled into thinking it was an MCU production when he did Morbius. And I think there's been some similar reports about this because I did think everyone in this movie is, is, is good. Like they're for the most part, they're all good actors. But that's, I think that's less on Sony and more on individual agents misleading their clients sure. to some extent. Sure. Because an agent would absolutely know who they're doing business with. Because it is sort of a thing where it's like, yeah, don't you want to be in a Marvel movie? Everybody's like, I want to be in a Marvel movie. Of course I want to be in a Marvel Because I am just thinking like, Adam Scott, he doesn't need to be in this. No. Why Why is he here? And, and you know, Dakota Johnson, 
yeah, I don't expect her to be in superhero stuff. But so if she does do something, I would expect it to maybe be of slightly higher quality. And uh, Brennan and I both picked up on this. Did they completely dub the guy playing Ezekiel Sims? Oh, John, the ADR in this movie is all over the place. And that also screams of the noting, right? It feels like they were constantly changing things and then going back and ADRing stuff in. There are a couple of bits where Madam Web goes back to the jungles of Peru to meet the mystical spider people that live there. We'll get to that. Uh, Yeah, yes. Where I can see her mouth moving and it is straight up like foreign film dub. It does not match with what she's saying out loud. That's what I mean. It feels like they just kept tinkering with this thing. Um, And they just kept. But he as a character, I swear they replaced every single one of his lines. It definitely sounded like it. His voice never sounds like it's in the room that he's in. And it's so flat. And I went, I I honestly, I kept going like, this guy's terrible. Why would they hire this guy? His voice is so, and then I looked and I'm like, well, he's done a lot of stuff. And I was like, I think he just got ADR'd to hell. Um, And it actively makes him really bad in this. And he's a guy who, like I said, has been in a bunch of stuff. He was just in Napoleon. Like he's, he's just in Napoleon. Uh, there was that movie, uh, The Kindness of Strangers, back in 2019. I mean, he's, and he's a French actor. I mean, so already you're dealing with a guy whose English is not his first language. But I have seen several reviews go, but I've seen him be good in other English language movies. Um, and it's just, I, God, the, actually, the person who I do think uh, good on her for just sneaking away with the paycheck is Zasha Mamet, who plays girl in chair for bad guy and i did oh yeah i did think nice if you're gonna be in madam web shoot all your scenes in one location where you're sitting i actually <laughs> kind of got one over on sony on that good on you zacha mamet who's a very good actor and i she should have went oh no why is she in this and i then as the movie kept going i'm like all right actually i think you're pretty sly i like it <laughs> she literally never leaves the chair yeah. she has a couple of lines and she's constantly surrounded by snacks yeah good call yeah what, what she worked two days on this thing <laughs> and i'm sure got paid an exorbitant amount of money for that amount of work um and actually kind of emma roberts is mary parker too i mean what she just sort of pops in and out of this thing is like well i'm pregnant yeah and Look, the girls who are in this movie, uh, Sydney Sweeney, Isabella Merced, and yeah. Celeste O'Connor, all are be good in other movies. Yes, absolutely. They are given one note roles of "I'm the spunky one," "I'm the science one," yeah. "I'm the shy one." You can tell Sydney Sweeney's shy because she has glasses, and no one would ever look at her twice. Until she took off her glasses <laughs> in that diner, and what's this? She's beautiful. And what's this? They all have distant relationships with their parents, and yeah. it's sad. Yeah. Um, by the way, I talk about somebody, uh, Isabella Merced, who plays uh, Anya in this. Um, good on you. She's going to be hot girl over it you know, in the Superman movie. I just love the idea that it's like, I'm going to, by the way, just immediately put my toe in a more probably going to be successful thing so I can just kind of get away from this. But yeah, and Celeste O'Connor, I love in the Ghostbusters, the new Ghostbusters movies. Also mm-hmm. good that that's coming out soon for her, the next Ghostbusters movie. So they'll all weather this fun. I don't think this is going to damage anyone's career. Actually, the person whose career it will damage, sadly, I think, is S.J. Clarkson, who's the director of this movie, who's one of those names. Um, she's really well-respected in television. Uh, you look at, she's like directed on a bunch of awesome shows. 
Um, she comes. Jessica from, Jones, The Defenders, Life on Mars. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, Succession. Oh yeah. Turn Bates Motel. Uh, like a lot of stuff. And she's somebody who's been on the short list for a lot of franchise movies. And she was hired to do. She was the first person hired to do the fourth Kelvin Star Trek movie. That mm. have gone through so many things. And so she's one of those people who's always kind of wanted to make that jump. So I just feel bad that this is the thing in the lottery of putting yourself up for these. This is the lottery of what she got. And I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily think this is like a poorly directed because it does feel noted to death. It has four credited screenwriters, which you and I both know means there's at least 25 people that worked on it. Well, and when one of the screenplay credits is S.J. Clarkson, among others, means that there are on-set rewrites happening to the extent that the director is getting credit. Right, yeah. It's. I mean, I just, I just, I think, like I said, I, I having seen so much of her other work, uh, I just feel like this got away from her. I, I think trying to blame her for this, really, actually trying to blame anyone other than the machine that is Sony for this. I don't yeah. think anyone is at fault. I don't think any of the acting is, when you talk about, like, the scenes are poorly written, but like all four of the female leads are likable. I will say the movie yeah. is watchable purely based on just raw charisma of the main cast. You can watch this movie on vibes alone. Yeah. And also like have your phone up and not really miss anything. Right. Yeah. That's it. Exactly. Cause the, 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 in fact, it's it's maybe better to have your phone on because if you are, I, I grew so frustrated throughout the movie trying to follow any of this because it's such nonsense, while at the same time constantly telling you what's going on. There's this movie is the most guilty I think I've ever seen a studio movie of all the times when like they have uh, Madame Webb searching through stuff and going, then that means my mom. I'm like, who are you talking to? They literally have to have a cat in that scene so that it's not just her talking to herself. Oh my god! And then uh, the the <laughs> her watching a Christmas Carol in the middle of summer so that they can talk about things that are meant to be or whatever. What TV station is that on? I have no idea. I also in two thousand three. I also love the doctor going. Ah, I've been through a trauma. Go home. Watch some old movies, and I did. I did think, what is this? Me as a doctor? I don't know. Put on Turner Classic Movies. That makes me feel better. <laughs> no, the the one that got me was okay. So to go briefly through the plot of this movie for what it is, there really isn't. I mean, you can do it because there isn't much plot per se. It, it's Terminator. Guy sees the future, needs to kill these girls, or else a dark future will come to pass. <laughs> and Madam Web wants to change the future. I'll tell you the. I'll tell you the inherent problem in that though. In ten years, they're going to kill him. So the movie they don't they don't actually know it's ten years. They're guessing it's about ten years. And, and look, I, I we'll get into Ezekiel Sims after I get through this a little bit. But I want to clarify right, one yeah. point about like how this movie reiterates itself so much. So we have this whole opening sequence in Peru where Ezekiel Sims betrays uh, Cassandra's mom, kills her, uh, leaves her to get saved by the mystical spider people of the Peruvian rainforest. We'll right. get to them. Um, <laughs> oh my god! Uh. <laughs> but so yeah. we have that whole sequence. And that was what opens the film. 
later, when Cassandra goes back to Peru to learn the secrets of her past, we literally see it all again. Nothing new is introduced until we get to the end of that sequence again. Yeah, that's true. So we spend a solid 10 minutes in this movie watching the same scenes twice. Yeah, you basically do, don't you? And in not- an hour and 56 movie, we spend 10 of that watching the same thing twice with no new information added or context added. Where's my make movie shorter hat? I need to put <laughs> hour 56 on this thing. Good God. The- I will say one benefit to the screen X way less trailers. Well, that is true. Yeah. Cause they don't that most of the trailers not wide enough. Did the whole movie play in Screen X, or did it, was it in segments? Because when I thought parts of the at, at certain parts in the movie, the, it it would strategically use it. Yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. there were moments where, like, okay, this is where you need to be surrounded by something. It would surround right. you. Yeah, yeah, that was the case in the one I saw too, where it's like the movie would open up in moments. I mean, kind of like the I weirdest think. one was definitely at the baby shower. It's like, and now you're in the baby shower. <laughs> I'm surrounded by a baby shower. Uh, where, by the way, all of Mary Parker's friends uh, don't talk except for Cassandra Kane, real or Cassandra Kane, Cassandra Webb, uh, really. Like, right? Like, it's, it's so interesting that they make a big deal that she doesn't know anybody, yet she does most of the talking to the baby show. Uh, there's uh, Kathy Ann Hart plays Susan. Love Susan, my favorite character. Who uh, says, uh, let's maybe not talk about dead moms in front of the pregnant yeah. Uh, woman. <laughs> yeah. And once again, God, I felt so... Dakota Johnson, who's an actress, I like a lot. I really do like her quite a bit. And like that... I can't say I've seen her in much. uh, She's, I mean, obviously there's the Fifty Shades of Grey movies, which, you know, whatever. But I've seen her in... She she does a lot of indie stuff. That's why this is such a weird thing for her. Because I've seen her in a lot of smaller movies where she's great. I I would recommend anything other than this, uh, you know, to instead of watching this... Watch the Peanut Butter Falcon. Watch our friend. Watch Cha Cha Real Smooth in particular. I think is wonderful. Um, the Suspiria remake that she's in. Bad Times of the El Royale. Oh, that's what I've seen her in. Is Bad Times of the El Royale. Criminally, criminally underrated film in my opinion. Um, right. Love that movie. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think. But and I, I felt frustrated for her because I can see like. She's trying, especially like that, that baby shower scene. I'm like, okay, you're, she's trying to play at something. Everybody, nobody wants to be here, but nobody's exactly phoning <laughs> it in either. You know what I mean? Like there's a weird thing where it's like, we're going to, everybody here is doing their best, but they all kind of know it's a losing. It's a weird, well, it's a weird vibe. And especially when you have a movie that's so clearly noted like this one is, you have no idea in what sequence this was shot in. You have no idea what of this was done in reshoots because you know this movie had reshoots. Oh, it extensively did. Yeah. Uh, Which, once again, it's not, I I do, as always, when people go like, oh God, a movie's going for reshoots. That doesn't necessarily mean a bad thing. All films do. Yeah. All films do. But this clearly was a case of we're doing reshoots because we don't know what this movie is. Not uh, Marvel does, Marvel Studios does a lot of reshoots, oftentimes because they look at a cut and go, oh, we need to kind of clarify that, or we need a little bit more focus on this, or actually, why don't we have a scene between these characters or something? Um, that's, they, they really, I think if you want to look at people doing reshoots right, Marvel's really smart because they will test screen a movie, reshoot, test screen a movie, reshoot, you know? They'll they'll really look at that. This just feels like they're like, I don't know, uh, this? Uh, is, is that, you know... Uh, 
This movie feels like Pepsi dumped a lot of money in at the last minute, and so we needed to rework the third act. So Pepsi kills our main bad guy. I did get the sense that, like, what, where where in the process came the Pepsi stuff? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I definitely did have that thought, too, about, like, uh, hmm, I wonder if this scene had Pepsi in it before. I some do- producer in some room somewhere was just like, okay, we need uh, $10 million to finish this movie. Pepsi. Uh, what what, can you please help us out? And Pepsi executives click their fingers together and go, okay, but we have to kill the bad guy. (laughs) (laughs) It's, uh, yeah, it's like I said, I, there, there's product placement. Any big studio movie almost always has product placement, but I've never seen anything this egregious at all. I mean, this has got to be the most egregious, right? It's, like black dynamite levels of absurd at some yeah. points. Because like it's one thing. I mean, a lot of people made fun of Man of Steel, where it's like, okay, Superman throws General Zod through a Denny's. Boy, that is incredibly subtle compared to what's in this movie. Again, the Pepsi logo yeah. kills the main I, bad guy. By the way, for the final <laughs> fight that literally, literally takes place at a fireworks factory, Ugh. it actually takes place at a goddamn fireworks factory. I couldn't believe it. When I, when we left the fireworks factory, I was like, when are we going to get to the fireworks factory? And they, boy, did they ever. And <laughs> and these are the most dangerous fireworks I've ever seen because they're like hitting things and just exploding them. And I'm like, these are fireworks. They're not actual missiles. Well, but this place is structurally unsound, so they can well, knock over brick that, walls yeah. and melt steel girders. Did you love when they were laying traps by just putting uh, flares near boxes of fireworks and going, that'll go off at some point and hopefully kill bad guys? I love that this movie is set in 2003, but this warehouse is the safety standards of 1953. I know, yeah, it's really, well, yeah, it's <laughs> uh, the movie's really weird. But it constantly, once again... <laughs> You've got Cassandra Webb going, I got to get home to watch Idol. I'm like, right, because it's 2003. Yeah, can't wait for Clarkson to win. Yeah, Um. (laughs) Yeah. hold on, let me get from this vending machine, also a Pepsi product, but very 2003, Mountain Dew Code Red. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it's just, ah, man. Um, Actually, who was the winner of American Idol in 2003? No, Clarkson was before that, because that was the first one. Yeah. I I don't know. Uh, is it any, Kelly Clarkson is kind of the only one worth talking about. Um, oh, it was Ruben Studdard. Oh, well, he was very charming. His career didn't go on to much, but he was very likable. Um, I I distinctly remember that happening. Yes, it was. That was when it was Ruben and Clay. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So. Uh. Yeah. Okay. So here's another thing too. Uh, as we're talking about this whole idea about <laughs> these girls are destined to become spider people. Um, this is also just, apparently this world of Spider-Man, Spider-Man is a, he, he ain't nothing new when he shows up on the scene. Cause they already, apparently the world is replete with spider people already. That actually was the thing that bugged me the most. And I'm sure Brennan was crawling up a fucking wall oh. uh, ha, 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 about it. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I think, I think even he knew like, you know what? There's so much wrong here. I have to conserve energy to get to it. <laughs> He hated the movie, but I think yeah. he wasn't as angry as you might expect to be because I think the movie just beat him down. Because <laughs> yeah, like, okay, so we're not doing any because we're not doing anything from the comics. This movie supposes that like okay, maybe Madame Web can exist before Spider Man exists. Fine, yeah. I'll take that as written. Well, because she's supposed to be an elderly woman by the time Spider Man meets her. But okay, sure. <laughs> but 
the fact that all other spider people predate spider-man in yeah. some way blew my mind in this film yeah because it's it just you know like i says one thing when they do when they're doing eddie brock venom with just without a spider-man that you know whatever that that is what it is but they that is just a world free of spider-man this is a world that, a world free of superheroes at all right and, and, but this is positing that all of this stuff came before Spider-Man. It's one thing to just excise Spider-Man. It's another thing to say Spider-Man is like the absolute last Spider-Person to come around. Yeah, and look, this movie, I've seen it described in reviews as what if the post-trailer sequence of a Marvel film was the whole movie and that's what this feels like because we get these three teenagers that are destined to get superpowers and uh, become spider people but then that just never happens in the movie right It's crazy. and we just see them in costume briefly at the beginning and like, extremely briefly at the end but now with Madam Web in costume yeah oh that Madam Web costume did not look good that also feels like I don't think that was there initially. Um, but uh, yeah, and once again, felt bad for Dakota Johnson. <laughs> I mean, to I couldn't actually tell if she actually had that on or if that was a total CG thing. That felt total CG to me. Well, I, I also love when she's able to uh, astral project herself into multiple places at the same time. That okay, John. I need to ask you a question because maybe yeah. this speaks to my not being enough of a fandom. <laughs> The Madam Web that I know yeah. is primarily, going to be honest, from the Spider-Man animated series. 100%. I think that's true for most people. It, she's not a character who's in, like, a lot of Spider-Man comics. Yeah, and she always shows up as a wheelchair-bound blind lady who can v see the strands of fate yeah. woven around Spider-Man, and she is like the fucking Oracle in a story of Hercules or something. Mm -hmm. She'll give some vague, cryptic pronouncement that Spider-Man will inevitably misinterpret and hijinks ensue. Yes. Yeah. So to make the Oracle at Delphi the main character of your film yeah. inherently creates this weird trajectory of a character who will become more restricted by their role as the story of them goes on. Right. Cause eventually right. they just right. have to be the, the person delivering prophecy and that's their whole role in the story. And by the end of this movie, she's blind and in a wheelchair. Except she can, she can, yeah. astral project herself all over the place and be everywhere and she has all the powers because she can see the future i mean it does almost feel like she's so powerful what does she need these spider girls for because the whole idea with madam web is like at least in my interpretation of her from yeah. the, what little i've seen of her in the comics and mostly the spider-man animated series is she is so confined by her powers that she can't actually act. What she's good at is flicking the domino that starts the chain reaction to help stop the the bad future. I think she can astral project in the comics, but not to this level. Like, right? Like, not to the point where she can like physically interact with stuff. I don't think that's the thing. I think it's more like, like in my and once again and 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 write in below if you know more about Madame Web than I do as well because once again while I am a huge Spider-Man fan, <laughs> regardless of Sony trying to make these characters seem like they're wildly important, 
she pops up here and there, mostly in the in the way I also sort of have the same perception of her. Mostly in her going like something terrible is going to happen, Spider Man. Uh, yeah, which is cool. She's a cool side character. I did I did see an interview with the director. She goes, you know, it's really interesting. She's never actually had her own comic. I'm like, maybe that should have been an indication not to make a movie about her then, because she kind of isn't like a character. She kind of can't be a main character. Um, like I said, you really. You know, if you just want to make a movie about a clairvoyant Dakota Johnson stopping bad guys, do that. I don't know why it has to be Menem Webb. Um, but, uh, <laughs> and also, uh, we should mention, n- nothing to do with Spider in the comics, right? It's all about the metaphor of the web of fate and stuff like that. Yeah. Here, though, it's like, oh, no, it comes from magic spider. Well, dep- depends who you're reading, because then well, you get to, yes, what is it? Is it Dan Slott's run that does all of the like weird spirit spider stuff? Oh no, you're talking about the Straczynski. That's where Ezekiel. That's Straczynski. Yeah, 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 yeah. Straczynski, because that, because and that's they're they're borrowing a lot from that because that is where you get the Ezekiel Sims character who is uh, only vaguely like this in the comics. Really, he's like a weird cult leader in the comics, isn't he? Yeah, it's the whole thing about he uh, because that is a run I love. I love the Straczynski run. He is this guy who is like. Yeah, he basically like worships a spider god. It's a totemic sort of thing. And he is like, and he's basically just going like, Peter, you're not going far enough. He His whole thing is he wants Peter to sort of transcend humanity, right? Into yeah. this whole- Become one with the spider. Right, exactly. Where it is like this, you, you're not embracing your powers enough. And he, yeah, he's, he's a crazed, number one, also an elderly character. They took two, two characters who are canonically quite old. I have questions about him too, because- He's the same. He's the same age, so he can't age. But at the same time, in his dream, he's an old man because he's he's the same age when he kills the people. Let's 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 get to Ezekiel Sims. This character makes zero sense. Absolutely no sense. It has to be where like all the notes converge on him, right? Like because it feels like somebody wrote. There's probably some script where he made sense. And then they just start chipping away and going, what if this, what if this and this? And he feels like a, a character made up of remnants of different drafts. Yeah, 100%. He is a an amalgam, a chimera of a bunch of different intents, and all of them converge in a place where there is villain dialogue in an empty person suit. That's all there is. It's And I, that's where I'm going like, I can't really blame this actor, to, especially if he's been ADR'd to death. Yeah, uh, which he absolutely has. Just just based on just the sound quality, he has that thing. He has that thing where you can hear like all of his dialogues recorded in the sound booth. It's too. We, I think at least on two or three separate occasions, he says they're not going to destroy what I've built. We never know what he's built. We oh. don't know what his deal is. All we know about the character is that he says he has come from a rough background, and that's it. Trouble past, man. Uh, he. Uh, he also has, I, I will say, I, and I tried not to, but I did laugh out loud a couple times. In oh, the yeah. Movie. Uh, not at jokes. Um, and one yeah, of them, no. the, the, when he literally, with all sincerity, goes, she took my spider. <laughs> That's my spider. <coughs> um, Why does he still need the spider? 
I don't, because that's the whole thing in the beginning of the movie. Is he's in Peru with Cassandra mm-hmm. Webb's uh, mother. I'm going to keep accidentally almost calling her Cassandra Kane, but that just speaks to my own. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I also a totally wasted Carrie Bechet, who's a very good actor as well, mm-hmm. um, who has fucking nothing to do as Madam Webb. But there's a scene where she's crying and they hug, John. I know, yeah. So emotion. Uh, Very mom. Wow. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> literally everyone in this movie is good, but you would never know it from this movie. Um, yeah. But, uh, she, yeah, so she's out there looking for this rare spider in Peru uh, while pregnant because we, we discover after the fact that that spider may be the key to helping her daughter who has a genetic her unborn daughter who has a genetic disorder yes yeah which i thought was going to be the reason she's in a wheelchair but no i was wrong boy wouldn't that make sense yeah because when they said that i thought ah that's how we get to wheelchair Mm -hmm. no somehow she like refocuses her powers to be more psychic and that like brings the yeah the the muscle disease back yeah no that would have that would have been a good twist the other thing I thought was because she gets mildly poisoned. I thought maybe that might be the reason for There's any number of ways they could have gotten her wheelchair other than Pepsi sign. Again, you feel <laughs> like, God, the Pepsi sign also disables oh, her, doesn't it? Wow. <laughs> and the fireworks factory blinded her. <laughs> it's like they forgot that that was what was supposed to end up with her. And so in the last possible reshoot, they were like, uh, sign falls, hits her in the face and legs. I've never... <laughs> That's what's so funny is that literally both of her disabilities happen to her in the exact same moment. Yeah. They're oh. unrelated. Oh my God. Um, even though they, even though twice in the movie, they seeded things that could have more easily explained it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. Right, I'm not going to try to fix it. I'm not going to try to fix it. No, 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 no. And again, Ezekiel Sims, a character that doesn't make any sense. No, uh, his motivations don't make any sense. He's his... down in Peru. She's looking for this magical spider. I yep. Uh, not yet radioactive. That's a different spider. Um, no, this spider is linked to a group of Peruvian uh, jungle mystics. We'll get to it. Um, <laughs> the Naranja or whatever it is. Oranja. Las Arañas. Las Arañas. That's what it is. Las Arañas. And get ready to hear that for billion times um but uh it's one of those things that people will turn to me and say is that a thing from the comics at which point i would usually say yeah don't worry about it yeah in this movie no absolutely not not like that no once again they've taken <laughs> they've taken the kernel of the ezekiel sims character from the comics and just gone fucking nuts with it like uh to to a point <laughs> where we have have to concoct a society of mystical natives that our white main character has to interact with i this is where I was like, I'm gonna be in trouble because the second those people descended from the trees, I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, this movie's really bad, isn't it? This movie's really bad, isn't it? Oh God, this is this is actually funny because um, I was like, no, no, and of course, what are the, the of course they're 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 all covered in red and black lines and like, oh, they kind of look like Spider Man, sure, Jesus, Sony, um, so yeah, yeah, so she ends up out there, but I'm just saying, like, in his so. Okay, before... Oh, God. Uh, he's looking for that. He somehow gloms himself onto that expedition that she's on. He is providing Cassandra's mom with security out in the Peruvian jungle. Because right. I don't know if you know this about South America in the late 70s and 80s, John. Uh, a little unstable. Not least of which because of United States intervention. No, that can't be right. Uh <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> and then of course, yeah, he turns on her. This literally, I also love the the just the pacing of this. The second she sp- finds that spider, he pulls out his gun and shoots everybody. She goes, "I found the spider." He's like, oh, "Well." We never learn what his initial need for that spider stems from. No, that's 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 what I, I'm sorry. That's a long way to get to. That's what I'm getting at is I yeah. do not understand what that has to do because then later it doesn't matter that he knew her mother and stuff really because it's all about the spider people that he's trying to kill to prevent from killing him possibly up to 10 years from now. That's, a, that, that's what I was saying earlier. I'm like, what's the immediacy of, I got to stop this right now. The only reason it happens like that is so Cassandra can find that photo and explain to the audience, oh, I knew him because he was with my mom somewhere. But it's not actually, t- there's no personal connection in his plan beyond that other than they have to tie it to that. And the girls don't have anything to do with the with her mother. No. So, And like I said, the, the also just in terms of like screenwriting, like ticking clock stuff, you go like, well, this guy has potentially up to 10 years to stop this. Why is he like, I got to kill all three of these girls right now. Maybe just spend your time trying to kill one of them. I don't know. Like, I, or, or whatever. I don't know. Like, also, thank God he got that NSA technology that allows him to, I don't even understand what that's doing. He, <laughs> I did laugh at that too. When they put in the images of each of them in their spider outfits and then he goes, all right. And they're able to erase the masks and then reduce them in age down to what they would be as teenagers even though they're all (laughs) of course 25 years old right none of them look like they're in high school the only reasoning we get behind why he's so dogged with his i need to kill them all right now is that every single night he has this dream right and again the dream is not explained like the spider bite apparently gives you some kind of psychic powers as well because there's a whole like mental battle that happens between Ezekiel and Cassandra in the ruined diner because she has the powers because he shot her mother while she was pregnant with her the Las Aranas you know they they say they save her and then she's she's bitten by the spider while giving birth to Madam Webb which is why she has the powers why they only manifest when she's like 30 I don't know when she has her near-death experience, when she goes into the water, I guess that's why. It triggers the memories of being born in the spider pool in Peru? For the love of God. And then, okay, here's the other thing I love. So, this whole society of spider people save her mother, right, in Peru. Lost sure. Her. Then when Cassandra goes back down there, it's just one guy in a cave. And he's just dressed like a He's just dressed like a normal... And I'm just like, I have many questions about what has happened to this society and tribe of people. Like... Well, they discovered the internet and they're like, why are we living in caves? <laughs> I don't want to dress in weird red and black paint. Um, but uh, Look, they were the first ones to get onto the World Wide Web. Ah. It also may be the most casual trip to Peru I've ever seen in a movie. She just hops down there and hops right back. Like, you're just like. Well, John, she had that map. I don't know what else you want. <laughs> and then, okay, so apparently the original, so apparently the original script for the movie and this is there's still a, an element of this in the climax was he's actively trying to it was literally terminator ezekiel sim is trying to kill mary parker so that peter parker is never born so spider-man never defeats him cool that, that sounds was, great that was the original plot and then everything just got obfuscated and noted to death but apparently the original first draft and pitch for this movie was madam webb is trying to stop a guy who is 
trying to prevent the birth of Spider-Man. That sounds rad. That's a, that sounds at least like a cohesive movie that I could follow. Yeah. You know? at the, I don't know if that would have been like a good movie, but it would have at least been like, I follow the logic behind making a movie with that plot. The part I laughed the hardest at was actually when she went to Peru and held up the photo of the river yeah. and like the, tr yeah. the trees were exactly yep. the same. Yep. And I was like, how many, it's been 30 years since this photo was taken I and to, the I tree to, line yeah. looks exactly the same. <laughs> and I have to bring up to, and I'm just going to briefly lift my, uh, my own gag order on this. Reminds me of the stupid thing in Rise of Skywalker where she's got to find yeah. the, the, the ruins of the Death Star. And you're like, uh -huh. yeah, none of that ever shifted in the water or anything. Uh, yeah. Whatever. Uh, 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 so I, Madam Web's really bad, you guys. Um, <laughs> but I'm but saying, like, we have been bagging on it. Cause the, yeah, yeah, yeah. There are things, like I said, it is really just, it's not that the movie is so god-awful that it's like this unwatchable piece of garbage. It's just... For the reason, this is an $80 million movie, which is not massive, massive, but it's big. And it's a big studio movie that took years to make and hundreds of people involved. And for it to be this incompetent in places is more what I react to. I'm just like, I am yeah. shocked. All this, like, when you hear about, like, Warner Brothers deeming stuff unreleasable, you're telling me Batgirl was worse than this? I don't think so. Because this feel, this is a movie where they should have been like, you know what, forget it. If they had shelved this thing, I would totally understand why, having seen it. I, but at the same time, it is one of those experiments in, can we make something that is just vaguely watchable enough yeah. that it can run forever on cable or on an airplane, and that's how we're going to make our money back sure. on this? I, I, never, I never root against a movie by any means, but I was kind of heartened that this movie didn't open well simply because I just like the, the public at large informing a studio. You can't just shovel shit out to us. We yeah. will not just go to anything. Now we did, but we're doing it for the show. Um, you know, I have regal unlimited. I feel less bad about it. Yes. That's, that also helps. Um, but, uh, but this thing, <laughs> this thing really opened poorly. Uh, it is the, the first movie since Fant four stick. To, to be a Marvel property that didn't open at number one. Even Morbius, people gave the like the benefit of the doubt and it did well opening weekend at least. Like people yeah. were like, let's check it out. And then word of mouth is bad. This was like and and we knew that right from the trailer. The instant reaction was like, oh God, no. Oh no, no, no. When my mother studied spiders in the Amazon. Which is not in the movie. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Like that those that Well, I I think the Sony executives learned their lesson about the meme potential of their films when Morbius was such a disastrous like let's re-release it because everyone's making memes about it and like yeah. oh dudes you don't get this. No, no, no. <laughs> but okay, so that leads me to where I want to finish this conversation which is about Sony Pictures Spider-Man universe at large because yeah, like a strap in for Craven the Hunter. Well, that's another. We've got another one coming out, and actually, Craven was supposed to come out before this, which is interesting. But it got delayed from the end. It was supposed to come out at the end of last year. I think uh, Madam Webb's going to roll in on her wheelchair at the end of Craven, going, "You think you're the only weird side tendential Spider-Man character out here's, there?" Here's the question I have on that. Right? It's like I, my big question is always, how many of these have to like? Because Morbius was did not do well. This has bombed spectacularly how many of these do you have to make before you go like maybe this whole thing is a bad idea 
Like it's crazy to me. I, I, I nobody wants because like even even as much as people bag on DC, those movies made money, so you could at least go, okay, there's obviously something here, and we can tinker. But here it seems to be the lesson seems to be nobody wants any of this, man. There seems, and again, we're just reading this from the tea leaves of Hollywood rumor and box office returns. Right. There seems to be an implication that you can pry the Spider-Man license out of Sony's cold, dead hands. And they will keep poisoning the well with this stuff for as long as they feel as though it is necessary until eventually... There's got to be some way that they make a movie that will hit in the way that a Spider-Man made with Marvel proper will. Crazy, though, that they're just, like, I've just never seen this kind of irrational behavior, really, from a major corporation like this, where if, because I'm I'm talking purely on a cynical, monetary level. How much money do you have to lose, folks? But here's the thing, John. We know that there's a profit-sharing deal between Sony and Marvel to use Spider-Man in the MCU, right? Oh, yeah, 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 of course, yeah. How much money did Sony make when No Way Home made more money than God? Oh, yeah, I mean, a ton. And and actually, like, it, it the, the deal way is in their favor. Uh, that's the right. point of contention, is they actually take the vast majority of the profit. So so long as they can still come to an agreement with Marvel Studios and yeah. Disney to allow the use of Spider-Man in the MCU proper okay. films, they're still coming out ahead on this deal because for every ultra bomb like Madam Web they have, you have a no way home that is quadrupling, pentupling the amount of money they could have made. That's and that's all fine, but it's just it's just crazy to me that they keep sinking money into these thinking any of them will hit cuz yeah, just hold on to Spider-Man. Like, just hold on and, and co-produce stuff. And obviously, the animated stuff has done really well for them. Keep doing that. Yeah. But the idea of them trying to build their own universe, when do you shut that business down and just go, okay, we hold Spider-Man. We make these Spider-Man movies with Marvel. And this started production around the same time as, like, Morbius was finishing, from what I understand. Yeah. And Craven's kind of in the same boat. Yeah, yeah. So These were made almost side-by-side, Craven and Madam Web. Yeah. And so, like, they didn't realize... For unknown reasons. Uh. Until Morbius came out, they didn't quite know that this was going to... The worm was going to turn on them. Because they thought, with the Venom films, like, oh, we're we're shoveling hot shit here. Like, you and I have problems with the Venom films, and I know some people do, but they were very successful. They were, and that makes sense because Venom is very popular as a solo Sure. But when you're yeah. trying to shovel on, Morbius even makes a modicum of sense because you're like, okay, like vampire movie, right? Madam Web and Craven, now we're at it. Now, what the fuck are you guys doing? These aren't comics. I, I think where Madam Web and Craven are concerned, the train was already rolling, yeah. is my point. They're is not, like, what are we, they making right now, is what you're saying. Yeah. And that's a. They're going to TV. Their next big push is television, the silk TV show they're working on. Oh boy. Um, look, I like Silk as a character in the yeah. comics, and I was excited when she showed up at the end of Spider Man 2, the video game. Um, yeah. But as I like a that's their Easter new, egg. But I think that's the I think that's gonna be the new thing. It's like, okay, the movies didn't work. Shows. I mean, they're developing Spider Man Noir, the TV show. 
And maybe, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Probably not, though. <laughs> I mean, look, it is just like Spider-Man is, unlike the X-Men, which did kind of work as its own thing because it is really universe. Spider-Man, though there are a lot of characters around Spider-Man, isn't really a universe unless you're talking about the Spider-Verse, which kind of works only in the capacity that it does in the in the in the animated movies, right? Like, I, I yeah. don't know what an, uh, a live action Spider Verse movie would look like. Maybe yeah, well, you do. It's called No Way Home. Well, that's as close, but that's once again much smaller in scale. Yeah, even though it's big as a live action movie, but yeah, it, it, it's that. And I have once again take with a grain of salt the rumors I've heard is that the reason we haven't had we haven't had an announcement about the next Spider Man movie is there's big contention between Sony wanting more lots of Spider Man people. And Marvel going, no, we just really want to make a movie about Spider-Man. They're like, no, you got to get Toby and Andrew back because that's what the people want. They want to see all the Spider-People together. And yeah, whereas you and I want like, wouldn't it be great if Spider-Man fought the Enforcers and Kingpin? Wouldn't yeah. that be amazing? Yeah, they're just like, because we, we, they've been pitching as like, okay, if the first trilogy was the high school years, now we're entering Spider-Man the college years trilogy. And I'm like, that sounds great. And they have him hook up with Doc Connors, have him uh, get mentored by Otto Octavius, have him bring in Gwen Stacy as his college love interest or, or whatever, yeah, you know, all totally. that stuff is great. That's what we want. And it sounds like that's what Feige and, and but Sony's like, but money, but more Spider-Man equals more money. And that's the perception that seems to be driving things like Madam Web and Craven the Hunter. Yeah, because like, even things that are only tangentially related to Spider-Man yeah. also equal money. That that their boast a couple of years ago, and they said like, well, because we own Spider-Man, that means we have over nine hundred characters from the Spider-Man universe. That it's just like, not nah, well, maybe that is technically what you have, but like. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not crossing my fingers for that Robbie Robertson movie. You know, <laughs> Ben Urich, the journalist adventures. Um, you know, look. Uh, do I want to see the uh, <laughs> the 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 fucking bullpit of the the Daily Bugle and them debating the ethics of vigilantism? Yeah. Yeah. Do anyone else? No. Well, and like, I mean, I, I, I've mentioned before that MCU book that I read a, a while ago, and and in some of those, they go into like what Sony's ideas have been, and one of them is like, what about a rom com about Uncle Ben and Aunt May meeting? And you're like, oh God, why? Like, and, uh, and uh, that is that where they're going with this? What well, Adam Scott and whoever in you know in Love is Nice? Um, I don't know. I uh, know it'd be called the Web of Love. Come oh, on, oh the Web of Love. Of oh, how'd you like that one too? Where they talk about like, uh, yeah, we at the end of the movie when they're all hanging out together and like, yeah, we talked to Ben. He loves being an uncle. So little responsibility, and then Ben just goes, "That's what he thinks for now." Ugh, her glasses at the end made me angry. Also, <laughs> the other thing I thought too, um, where she says "bless you" before the girl sneezes, and I thought, even if you could do that, why would you do? You're just being an asshole at that point. Like you're just showing off and being a dick. I did say out loud in the theater, we get it. You can see the future. Yeah, bless you. <laughs> also, I love what she says, bless you. And the girl's like, what are you talking about? It's like, you know, she can fucking see the future. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously you're going to see <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. Also, no, I will say in an, an indication of, uh, uh, of, of no faith. in this is a franchise. No post credit scene, no mid no. or post credits. I do. And also the fact that this came out in February, 
Not a good sign. I do think there's some indication that they are dumping these. For those who don't know, February is traditionally like a dumping ground for movies nobody cares about because it is too late for any Oscar consideration. And it is a time in which like a movie can be like mid to okay. And because there's no other movies coming out, it can do all right. The, The movie that did do surprisingly well this weekend was the Bob Marley biopic. Which that actually kind of makes sense as a February release. We're sort of like, it's kind of a mid-tier programmer. going to appeal to an older audience. We're not chasing the superhero money. It didn't cost a ton. I hear it's not great, so it wasn't going to be an awards contender. But, like, people went. Yeah. So I and think that, that's... It stole Madam Web's lunch money. <laughs> oh, yeah. Big time. I mean, it made a lot more than Madam Web. Because, really, it. I cannot stress... People did not go to this. It really... We, we've been talking about like, well, you know, what even is a hit anymore? This is definitively a bomb. I mean, it is shockingly bad for them. What's its uh, opening weekend? Oh, what is it? It's like, it's less than 20. Um, Quickly, to boxofficemojo.com. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm seeing... Well, let's cause, see. Because it opened... It to be they, 15. Yeah, that's and that's for... Um, 15.4. Yeah, that's for the weekend proper. Because they did try to yeah. goose it by putting it out on Valentine's Day. So it got a couple extra days. Yeah. Take your... I did. I literally did see the ads where it's like the perfect date night movie. Madam Web. I'm like, if someone takes you to Madam Web, you break up with them right there. That is it. Unfortunately, uh, especially over Valentine's Day, there is literally the Bob Marley one love. It's got love in the title. Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. And once again, that's done like that's beaten expectations. This thing is really in trouble. Uh, and I guess, what was the uh, the budget on this? Do we have a reported budget? 80. 80 what? and it made 15 opening weekend with probably no legs to it at all. Yeah. And, and once Oof. again, 80 is not... Um, once again, that's not like a, especially for a superhero movie, that's lower. Yeah. But uh, but still, Jesus Christ. Let's see. Worldwide right now, it's made 51.9. Yeah. So it it's probably not even going to make its budget back, let alone any marketing. And you know the budgets for that are and always like. Just, yeah. Like perception is just, it's, it's terrible. Like the just the general pop culture perception is that movie sucks. And like I said, I think that's. Maybe slightly hyperbolic, but it is really bad. The fact that we can like point out technical issues yeah. with it for a major studio release is thing. really bad. That's the thing where it is just like it's that's shoddy, and that is not what yeah. I expect. I always do talk about this, like like on Meet the Monsters and stuff like that, where even some of the bad monster movies we get, it's like, well, but it's got a studio polish to it. And yeah, this thing has glaring errors that a $80 million movie should not have. And that yeah. is a little bit like, uh, you guys. Once again, I can't believe they saw this and went, yeah, put that out in theaters. Even dumping it in February. But like you, like you said earlier in this conversation, the fact that Morbius was a more cohesive film, and like Definitely. we both have our issues with Morbius oh, as a film. Yeah. But, it, but it's, th- it makes more sense on a moment-to-moment, like, I understand the story of Morbius much more than this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is a movie that seems to be the, like, strange Frankensteinian love child of studio notes and a need to retain rights. And if this is the quality of stuff that Sony's going to continue to put out, it does beg the question of just, like, can 
they do can they survive only on whatever they make in conjunction with Marvel Studios? And, and and actually they could, so they should just do that is my point. It's like, just stop trying to make these. Because I, I, how many times do you have to lose money before you... And I get it, they don't have much. They lost, the, A big thing for them was they did lose the James Bond franchise. Yeah. Um, which, <laughs> that, that's, that's a hurt to the old wallet there. Um, but, but something that always like ruffles my feathers where this conversation is concerned about Sony specifically, because I think yeah. Sony is pretty singular in its financial approach to this. Sony is a film studio, but yeah. they're an electronics company. They're a financing company in the same way that like if the movie industry for Disney suddenly sank for some reason how many other legs of their entertainment machine do they have to rely on? It's a lot, but the movies are a big chunk of that to help, yeah. like, stimulate the rest. Well, this Sony, is like Apple, Apple making movies now, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, like, Sony, the sales of the PlayStation 5 are yeah. bonkers to the yeah. point of where it's, like, just the sales on hardware alone between, right. like, speakers and TVs and video game consoles are doing just fine and obviously there's big money in movies well, but like why, i don't think sony as a company is suffering from madam webb's failure no no because that's why they can weather that and that's the same and that yeah. is why things like sony things like apple places like amazon are gonna be the big studios going forward right because they have other means of income we been talking about apple can put out a bunch of bombs and it'll never matter that's also yeah. though but that's why apple i have more respect for apple because they do like roll the dice on filmmakers more. They're like, Scorsese, you want to do Killers of the Flower Moon? Yeah, we can afford that because it's a movie we want to make. And even if it doesn't make a ton of money, we're cool with that. Like Sony, they're though, shooting, they're shooting for pedigree and quality, yeah. not necessarily like you got Flowers of the uh, Killers of the Flower Moon yeah. getting like uh, nominations at the Oscars. Right. Never going to happen with what Sony's been putting. No, out. that's the thing exactly. Where I'm like, I get that. That that's a that to me is the better, you know, way to to approach this. Is like, uh, and 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 Netflix is doing that even though they don't have the capital. So you know, it's uh, but Amazon too is like, yeah, we want to support film, and that's really Sony. If you want an answer to what you should do, just hire interesting filmmakers and let them do what they want with Spider Man. If they have to make Spider Man stuff, like if they had just left. S.J. Clarkson along and said, just make a Madam Web movie, whatever, just spend this much. I don't know that it would have been good, but it certainly would have been a lot better than this. I don't see where they're gaining anything from uh, uh, constantly interfering. Let's see, what else does Sony have coming out this year? Uh, oh, oh, they've got Ghostbusters? Bad Ghostbusters, Bad Boys, those are big for them. Yeah. Craven, Spider-Man Beyond the Spider-Verse, Venom 3, Yeah, those, the Garfield movie. It'll probably do well. Yeah, untitled Karate Kid film. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the new Karate Kid film that's like merging the Cobra Kai and Jaden Smith universes. Interesting. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, I mean, I'm maybe. very excited about Ghostbusters. Oh, never mind, John. I take back everything I said about Sony. They're putting out Paddington in Peru. That'll be amazing. <laughs> well, I think that... Actually, your point, though, is... It could be taken as do they even why do they feel the need to constantly make this? They do actually have other things. I know they've lost some stuff, but like you're telling me that Ghostbusters isn't. I mean, that regardless of what that makes, it's gonna sail past Madam Web numbers. 
There's that Crow remake that's coming out. God, they've been talking about that forever. That's yeah. one of those that like so many people have been attached to remake the Crow and don't do it. Last year they had Napoleon. Yeah. Uh, no Hard Feelings, which I enjoyed, that little rom-com. Oh, yeah, yeah, that did like surprisingly well. Technically, they distributed the Miyazaki film, The Boy and the Heron. Hey, that made some, some money. You know, I mean, like, uh, the thing, yeah. They did The Equalizer 3, which I know you were a big oh, fan of. Oh, and did really well. Because that was the whole thing where it's like, hmm, maybe people uh, do like movies about older gentlemen. Uh. <laughs> uh, they do all the Insidious movies and all those, like... Not my thing, but, you know, those are very big. And those yeah. don't cost much, which is huge for those. Uh, yeah. Well, that's sort of the thing where I'm like, I just don't... But they are just obsessed with the potential of Spider-Man. But the other thing is, they but, don't even have... But that's been every studio since the MCU broke big, right? Is like the idea that we could make this cohesive universe of films yeah. and generate within this and silo. I, and I come back to it again and again. Nobody's been able to do it. Not really. Star Wars, kind of. But kind they, of, but they've they've had a pretty succinct shift to yeah. like streaming television at this yeah, point. Yeah, like that. That's that's why I say kind of because it's like they're sort of just now really getting it together in terms of cohesion and like quality control. But yeah, nobody else has come anywhere close to the success of the MCU, not even remotely. And yeah. so it's like maybe take that. As, the other thing is, who's in charge at Sony? I don't even know who they're. I don't even know if they have somebody even trying to be a Feige. They certainly don't have anybody at Feige's level. But I don't even get the sense that it, this really does feel like there is a board somewhere that is making these decisions. I don't get is Avi Arad attached to this movie in any way? Yeah, but I don't think he's actively overseeing it. That guy is just sitting mm. around going, Spider-Man. Um, <laughs> well, Venom is what he was saying for Venom, the longest time. Venom. Um, yeah. uh, I don't like that guy. I've never liked that guy. Uh <laughs> Once again, this is not the hottest of takes. I'm sure a lot of people don't like Avi Arad. Um, sure. Uh, That's one of my favorite parts in the uh, in the MCU book is where they're basically just like, once Kevin Feige's in charge, they're like, what do you do here, Avi Arad? Is basically what happened at Marvel. <laughs> like, your, your job is what? <laughs> not sure what you're bringing to the table, pal. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. I do not see him on the list of producers. Oh, is he not on this one? Okay. I think he, I think he might just be on the Venom movies now. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, good Lord. Uh, yeah. So, uh, can my, 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 my only summation now is like, can Craven somehow be worse? I don't think it can. God, I want it to be though. <laughs> I really do. I want, because here's the thing. I went into this movie with all the bad press around it and I all thought, of the I, yeah the memes. Yeah. So I went in, not necessarily with my arms crossed, but my oh. arms like up and over my head with my fingers laced behind oh. me going like, all right, movie, show me a disaster. Yeah. And that's not really what I got. No, that's what I'm saying. It's like, there's no fun. Like, I don't even think it's going to lead to the memes because at least Morbius is like goofy. You know what I mean? Yeah. This isn't. And that's that's actually the whole one of the big reasons why the Venom movies are so successful is they're just nuts. Tom yeah. Hardy's nuts in those movies, like you know, and that's and there is a fun to that. There is nothing fun in this movie. I had no fun, even when I was laughing. It's more just like this is bad. No offense to Dakota Johnson at ability oh, yeah. to act, yeah, because oh. I'm sure she's great in a lot of stuff, yeah, but. She does not have the kind of 
mania that a Tom Hardy has at the center of a Venom film that makes you transfixed for two hours going, what is this man arguing with goo coming out of him? Or, I mean, to me, all of Morbius is about Matt Smith. And the, what sure. you don't have in this either is you, the villain is even more boring than the, yeah. than the hero. Like, that's the thing where you just go like, there is, there's just nothing here. The most charming person in the movie is Adam Scott, and he's only in it here and there. At one point, I did about halfway through the movie go, when's Adam Scott coming back? Out loud said, is Adam Scott going to come back in this movie? I just like that guy. <laughs> I thought he was gone from the movie. And look, I... To reveal how the scheduling of this gets made a little bit. Yeah. I was having a conversation with my boss via text while I was in this movie. Oh. Unsure of whether or not I should sit through the rest of this movie because I wasn't sure if this recording was going to happen today. <laughs> yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, if I had known that I was going to have to cancel on you last minute, John, yeah. I would have walked out of this film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. <laughs> not felt bad about it. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I, I can't blame you there. Because uh, uh, Adam Scott had already left. Yeah. <laughs> he's out of this thing uh yeah uh yeah Uh, no yeah madam web is bad what i want from craven is an absolute like well stupid movie and i will say i have i have the slightest inclination that will happen because one russell crowe is in that movie and you talk about a guy who always delivers oh uh if you have not seen the pope's exorcist ooh, i can't recommend it more and it's not a good movie no I loved it, mainly because he is so all in on that incredibly stupid movie, and he's doing an accent, and he's writing a Vespa, and he's talking, oh my, I'm so glad they're going to make a sequel, because that, it's very similar to Venom thing, where he, I'm just like, what are you doing, Russell Crowe? I just, but I can't look away. I find it so compelling, and so, and he's, once again, if Russell Crowe's doing an accent in something... I'm there, man. So Russell Crowe as big Russian guy talking about Clavin. I'm like, you know what? That's the thing. That's what this is missing. There is no like, wow, that part was crazy. The yeah, yeah. yeah. I do think that's that's a big difference. So I do think that that the Russell Crowe's presence alone makes me slightly more excited for Craven. Uh, I want it to just lean so hard into different kinds of animal bloods give us animal powers. Well, we've already seen the, like the rhino being like a werewolf, right? Like where he's just like, uh, yeah. Like and look, if it, it, if it can sink to that level of stupid, yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of on board. Yeah. 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 Well, we'll have our thoughts for that, I guess in August. I, I want a movie that like, stops even trying to have anything except for axe cop logic. Well, I mean, because once again, at least that's fun. Like I said, the biggest thing to me yeah. in this movie is it's just boring a lot of it. Yeah. It really irked yeah. me. Uh, all right. Well, luckily we're fine. <laughs> Next month on the show, I think we're going to have a lot more uh, positive to say, things to say about uh, a little film called Dune Part 2. John. Yeah. Do you know how one has power over a thing, it is when they can destroy it. That is what Sony knows that we do not. They go. see the flow of the now. They perceive that the Padishah Emperor does not control the spice, for he cannot destroy it. <laughs> well, I do think, here's a, here's a telling thing. Uh, they they held Madame Webb for critics until the last possible moment. They've Dune 2 was screened a couple weeks ago for critics who are declaring it like a masterpiece, an incredible piece of film. You know, this... 
uh, yeah. already people are talking about how amazing it is. Uh, so that speaks to a level of faith in something at the very least. Turns out yeah. that when a group of people are extremely passionate about making a thing done right and that Denny Villeneuve is at the helm I mean, and you have... That's the key, right? Yeah. It all starts from there is you just have the exact right filmmaker for the material. Exactly. Yep. A guy who just... it's it's. And that's the thing about this, right? And that's why I like I'm not quick to blame S.J. Clarkson because I can't imagine she came into this going, I just love Madam Web. And it and it shows. It has something I talk about on Meet the Monsters a lot that I that irks me. It's cynical, right? It's just made by people going like, I guess, like this is a woman who and that's why I kind of feel bad for her. He's like, clearly she wants to make like big movies. And it's like, well, here you can have this one. It's like, ah, okay, I'm not in a position to say no. Cause I And that's the thing, her. is I don't need every director to be a diehard fan of the thing they're making a movie. I don't think Chloe Zhao was the biggest, like, Eternals fan in the world. There was passion for the movie that was made, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the... Yeah, and I think that's that's been the case with a lot of stuff. Uh, Nolan, we know, is not a comic book guy, but came in going, I have a take on Batman. And whether that worked for you or not is... That is not... Those are not made cynically. That is a man's passion on screen. And I think yeah. that that's all that makes the difference. But here, literally everyone involved from the studio, there's no one shepherding this project. Yeah. Uh, and that's, uh, that's but yeah, but that's, I think the big difference between what we're going to talk about next month, yeah. Dune part two, I'm so radically, oh, yeah. rabidly excited for that film. I cannot wait. Yeah. Uh, pretty soon I'm going to be going back out to the theater t- to watch Dune part one in an unreasonably wide format. Oh, that's right. Right. Yeah. They're re-releasing it. They are, and I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, tune in for that. Of course, uh, if you want more of this show and all the shows on the Punch Up Entertainment Network, head over to our patron page, which is patron.podbean.com slash punchup. Uh, there you get not only exclusive content from all the shows, but you support the whole network, which was greatly appreciated. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think that's going to wrap things up. Of course, if you're watching us on YouTube, make sure you like, comment, subscribe below. Ring that bell for notifications. It's all down there. We're going to pointing. That, 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 that wrist motion is me ringing the bell. Ring you the should bell. Ring hear the bell. ye, hear ye. You, it's more of a, a finger motion yeah. with the mouse. <laughs> you get it. Yeah, you, you, you get it there. Anyway, and of course, we'll be back uh, next week with more reviews of old Star Wars comics, which is really what people are dying for. Uh, I mean, look. As we continue to chart our way to the Empire Strikes Back adaptation. Uh, but uh, that is going to do it for this month's panel up. I've been John Campbell. And I will always be Mike Gargoni. Till next month, we're going to panel down. <laughs>